Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, Week 4 Review Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hart, and joining me as he always does on this lovely Sunday evening, Fantasy Life's Finest. He built the company brick by brick, people. Dwayne, the Rock, <laughs> McFarlane. <laughs> oh, man. Great day to be great, Hart. It's great, great night to be great. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be morning. It'll be great morning to be great by the time we're we're finished here. 11.42. No wine yet for me tonight, Dwayne, being a little thing called professional these days. And you know what, guys? If you like the podcast, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to sit here and be like, you know, subscribe, do five-star ratings, just beg you to do all that. But I will say this. If you enjoy the podcast, go to a local coffee shop, buy a round for everyone in there, and then loudly announce that all you want in return is one thing for everyone there to subscribe to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast and download the new PFF app. If you do that, it'd be really cool and just really help out the podcast. So small favor there. And with that, Dwayne, let's get into a freaking awesome Sunday of football. We started off things at 9.30 a.m. That's early for people like me, Dwayne. Maybe not your boomer generation that has to get up at 6 a.m. Otherwise, you're just not a hard worker. But that's a story for another day. Vikings beat the Saints 28-25 to thanks to yet another double doink there at the end. Saints did cover us four-point dogs. The overcashed at 41 and a half. So, again, got it, love. Anytime you know we get that field goal going off, not one but two uprights. And, Dwayne, it was really good to see just Justin Jefferson doing Justin Jefferson things again. 10 catches, 147 yards receiving, and he even chipped in a three-yard rushing touchdown, beating up Marshawn Lattimore all over the place. We were never worried, Dwayne, but it's just still nice to see Justin Jefferson go off. Our life is better when Justin Jefferson does Justin Jefferson things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, 38% target share will do it, 51% of the air yards. Uh, there's nothing else to say. Like, people just shouldn't have been panicking about Justin Jefferson. You know, and, and look, I get it. It's because we're early in the fantasy season and everybody's still really paying attention. There's nobody that's, you know, probably completely just forgotten that they're in a fantasy football league yet, <laughs> you know? So there's Hope just not. more eyes on it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing else to say about Justin Jefferson. Like, he's an absolute beast. Um, So, yeah, what's the next thing? <laughs> 
<laughs> Dalvin Cook playing through the shoulder injury. We saw a little more Alexander Madison yeah. than normal, but it was yeah. still about 70-30 split in favor of Dalvin, just like Justin Jefferson. Don't panic. Keep going back to the well there. Would note that there were some sheeshes abound in this one. K.J. Osborne had a five-yard touchdown nullified on an offensive pass interference, and Justin Jefferson's day could have honestly been even bigger. He had a 40-yard gain, go out of bounds about the four-yard line, and then there was a drop, or if you want to blame Kirk Cousins, that's fine, because that's usually what we decide to do, but should have been an easy eight-yard touchdown thrown a little bit behind the guy unfortunately could not come down with it very next play Adam Thielen got a target where it sure looked like Justin Jefferson was probably the guy that should have been targeted running wide open in the back of the end zone so final couple things Dwayne as we transition over to the Saints here Chris Olave very good performance especially not having Jameis Winston under center four catches 67 yards and a touchdown on a team high seven targets did have Michael Thomas out of the picture could have been an even bigger day I mean 41 yard line toasted Patrick Peterson underthrown by about 20 yards that's the Andy Dalton experience sometimes <laughs> later I will say Andy Dalton did put the ball where it needed to be it looked like it hit a lave in the chest probably could have been good for another 30 40 yard gain and yeah man Chris Olave. Hell of a start to his rookie season. He is now basically first among all rookies. Not basically, he is first among all rookies in catches and receiving errors with 21 and 335. No rookie has more than his 2.46 yards per route run so far, Dwayne. Now, without Jameis under center, it's not ideal. I think we saw some of the limitations of this offense, but at least good to see, man. This is going to end up being probably a low-end wide receiver two week. Chris Olave, top 24, week in and week out, with or without Michael Thomas. Sound good to you? Yep, already moved in there last week after the utilization report. It said low-end wide receiver, too. That's just where Chris Olave is at this point. Um, so, yeah, feeling good about it. He did miss some time in the game. You know, he got banged up a couple of times, so he could have had an even, you know, potentially bigger day. But coming out and earning a 26% target share without Michael Thomas on the field with a gimpy Jarvis Landry with no Alvin Kamara, like, that's a positive to me. Because what's the other defense really have to worry about on the Saints other than Chris Olave? Like, you got Mark Ingram. You know, you got a, a guy, like, almost as old as me, a boomer, out there. You've got, you know, a, a rotation at tight end and Troutman and Juwan Johnson. Um, Taysom Hill obviously did some nice things in the game, but the offense was really all based around Chris Olave today, and he still came through. Um, so, yeah, I think coming up with 16.7 PPR points on, you know, only being out there for 78% of the routes um, due to the injuries, I think that's really strong. Probably would have had another 30% target share a day if that didn't happen. He's had two in the last two games, he probably would have had three in a row. I, I will just say real quick, and it's nothing, we, we don't know what's going to be going on with Michael Thomas. You'll also have Jarvis Landry more healthy moving forward, but it was Marquez Callaway that was the other, was the next man up today. Um, you know, Traquan was active, you know, but he was kind of dinged up later in the week as well at practice. So I don't know how much ties back to injury, but I'll just note that Callaway was out there 97% of the routes, 22% uh, target share was second on the team and also second in air yards, 30% had 8.3 PPR points today. Appreciate all you YouTubers live with us here as we approach midnight on the East Coast. Uh, Stefan's wondering, is Latavius worth keeping an eye on? Looking at the Saints backfield splits without Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, 47% snaps, 10 carries, three targets. Latavius Murray, 44%, 11 carries, one target, just a few snaps for Dwayne Washington. Ingram did get banged up and miss a little bit of time here, and then he came back. But, Dwayne, it's going to be an annoying committee, and neither of these guys are really going to be someone that I think they're really trying to throw the ball to. Like, but let's say next week Kamara's not in there. Like, neither Mark Ingram nor Latavius Murray are probably going to be in our top 36. 
No, treat these two guys like we uh, talk about high-end tight end twos. You're just hoping <laughs> one of them scores a touchdown. <laughs> if one yeah. of the two scores a touchdown, maybe they can be your RB2 for the week. And like Murray came up with 13.5 uh, PPR points today, Ingram came through with 7.3. Didn't come through, I should say. So like, it's just going to come down to which one probably scores the touchdown. I would give the slight edge to Ingram. Really low end RB three would be the highest. I think we would be grading them in, you know, if not, if not saying more of a high end RB four, which is really just a kind way of saying high end tight end two. about to say desperate flex. That's about it. All right. There we go. Dallas Cowboys, 25 Washington commanders, 10 Cowboys covered as a three point favorite. The under cashed at 41 Dak allegedly back next week, but the Cooper rush era, man, four and O to start the career and in Cooper's defense. He's done some good things, but don't get it twisted about who has been the better quarterback. And I don't think anyone really is, but just in case you are over these last two seasons, PFF passing grade in favor of Dak 81.4 to 61.8. So is QB rating. So is adjusted completion rate. So is big time throw rate. So is turnover worthy play rate the one really interesting thing that cooper rush has been able to do is be efficient just with his attempts 7.8 yards per attempt versus just 7.3 for dak and he's actually gotten rid of the ball quicker while having a higher average target depth like that's the one thing Dwayne. we've talked about how great tom brady is at just everything but also limiting the sacks and still keeping like this downfield mindset because he just can diagnose the defense in a millisecond and somehow know exactly what to do by t- before the pressure gets there not saying Cooper Rush is quite on that same wavelength, but usually when you look at guys that have this quick of an average release time, they also don't combine it with the downfield threat. So awesome, you know, stretch here for Cooper Rush. He was able to keep giving us CD Lamb big games and, you know, the running, he didn't kill the offense, which is certainly what we were expecting it to do. With that now in the rearview mirror though, Dwayne, let's say Dak is back in week five. I'm not expecting 100% well Dak. We'll say a 90, 80, 90% version of Dak. How are we treating all these now skill position players? CeeDee Lamb certainly seems like someone to be up in the wide receiver one range, but the running backs are muddled, and I wish you could – I don't wish. I know you can tell us exactly how involved Michael Gallup was in his first game back off that knee injury. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the big thing with Dak is you can just get a little bit more play volume. And not that the Cowboys were bad today. Like this includes penalties. So you kind of got to, I don't know how many penalties the Cowboys have, but they ran 61 plays today. So that's right around average with penalties in there. Um, So we've seen with Dak, they're a team that can be more around 65. They can be more around 70, um, which is getting up there, you know, into the higher ranges. They're typically in the top five and plays run. So I think that's the big thing. To your point, like Cooper Rush has not been bad. Like, and it's funny, like even when my wife's watching, she's like, man, he throws a really pretty ball. Like, <laughs> you know, when my wife starts talking about football, like that means there's something good. And she wasn't here. She didn't see today. Like she's with my wife. They went to go see Harry Styles in Austin. So they're watching something else pretty. Harry Styles <laughs> is on stage right now. They're doing their thing. So, um, but yeah, I think what we can expect is with the play volume increasing, man, looking at Lamb, dude. Target share, 32% today. So his target shares have been over 30% every game except for the first game of the season. And he's had a 40%er in there as well. So CD Lamb, all the questions about can CD take the next step forward? Will it just be about earning more routes and that carries him? Or can he take the next step as a target earner? Wow. Like, I think he's totally done it. And we saw him beating man coverage today. You know, three point three four yards route per, per uh, yards per route run. Um, so yeah, Lamb, Lamb, man, 
I don't know where you're putting him, but I'm I'm I think he's a mid-range wide receiver one, maybe a high-end wide receiver one once we get Dak back. And even if we got to go another week with Cooper Rush, you can feel good enough about him. He, he scored 21.7 PPR points today. Michael Gallup, as you asked about, only out there 64 percent of the snaps. But all we really care about for receivers is the route participation, 85 percent. So that's a really good mark, right, for being in your first game back um, from the ACL, which was a late season injury to the knee. Um, 10.4 PPR points. Didn't, I mean, wasn't a huge target share day, Ian, 9%, 9%, but like just seeing him out there, the 85% is what's most impressive to me. This is CeeDee Lamb's offense. Um, like I think Lamb's shown us, like he's taken that next step, but there's room, right, for another person to get, you know, 20%, 15%. I think it's going to be a bit up and down. It wasn't a big day today for Schultz. He came through with a donut, but 14% target share, and he was out there 79% of the routes. It is interesting, Noah Brown. 76% route participation, even with Michael Gallup back. So we could see more 11 personnel. This is a team where we were kind of like, well, can they run 11 personnel? Like, who is their third receiver if they don't believe in Jalen Tolbert? Um, and I think the answer is Noah Brown. Like, Noah Brown has actually really stepped forward. He had a 23% target share again today. So he's still going to be wide receiver five range. But a guy that could still come through with some with some decent weeks for you, kind of some spike week stuff. Um, but I think Gallup eventually, Ian, will settle in with Dak back to like that mid-range low-end wide receiver three and then we just kind of got to let him like earn his way upward from there and see if he can push forward yeah brown had the longest play of the day this beautiful 45 yard pearl down the middle from cooper rush only thing on gallup i would know i think his target share is actually higher if you include those three or four penalties he drew out there i mean it really was wild how many times they kept having to grab him i thought he looked Pretty damn good, Dwayne. I, I don't know if it was like the best version I've ever seen of Michael Gallup, but he's got the route rate. He's out there. I'm fine to start treating him like that moving forward. Unfortunately, on the Washington side of the ball, we did have some bad news. Jahan Dotson late in the game did suffer a hamstring injury. Rookie had a nice deep ball catch earlier and even scored a touchdown. And Dwayne, if we do lose him, we don't want to lose Jahan Dotson. We don't want to lose any players. It would go a long way toward getting us some more consistency out of a little bit Curtis Samuel, but we've already seen plenty of good games out of Curtis Samuel. More so Terry McLaurin, the guy that most people drafted, not most, all people drafted to be the clear-cut leader in Washington, just hasn't really been the case so far. Now in this one, he lost several individual matchups against Trayvon Diggs. Like I know that dude has been the scapegoat of America, seemingly, and especially this defense over the last year, and deservedly so. I've seen all the stats about Trayvon Diggs, but hey, got a pick today and got two or three just huge pass breakups down the stretch on some of those fourth downs and key plays. So we do also have news that Ian Rapport has reported Washington is expected to activate Brian Robinson after week four. So Dwayne, backfield, that's a story, you know, I think for another day, uh, you know, having Robinson come in there, maybe he's got a starting job back, maybe it's messy. It's not good for Antonio Gibson. It's likely going to be a three-back committee. More so curious about these wide receivers because we have now seen back-to-back -back games from Carson Wentz looking more like the Carson Wentz from old. Not the easiest matchups by any stretch, but Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, let's say Jahan Dotson is out of the picture. Where do you see them going? What range in your wide receiver ranks? Yeah, the thing I would say with Wentz is the volume still there. 74 offensive plays today, 47 of them passing. You're going to have some highs and lows for sure with Wentz, but you're, I think you're still going to get some of the highs as well. You know, and, and that's kind of been his MO for a really long time now, so I don't think it's necessarily a surprise. I expected 
Washington to be able to do a little bit more against against Dallas today. The offensive line woes were problematic um, with them missing a couple of guys um, and Dallas having a really good pass rush. Um, but they had the running game going early. They just kind of had to get away from it. Um, you know, when the when the game went the route that it did. But like Terry McLaurin, you already mentioned it. Like he's fine. You know, Dotson was only out there due to the injury, fifty seven percent of the routes. So Curtis Samuel was around his normal eighty five percent. He's been between seventy five eighty five percent pretty much every week. Diami Brown is the guy that came in. He got a 38% route participation, so he filled in for Jahan Dotson. But the other guy that's trending upward really in the passing game is Logan Thomas. He had a 70% route participation this week. So he's been down in the 60s. First week might have even been like in the mid-50s, if I remember correctly. So he's been trending upward. Um, and he's a guy that might be in that 75-80% range. And I think now if Dotson is out that leaves an opening for someone else like Logan Thomas to earn a few more targets this week. He was second on the team with a 16% target share. Um, 18% was Curtis Samuel leading the team again. <laughs> you know, he's led the team, I think every week. And then Terry McLaurin was right there with a 16% target share. And then JD McKissick was just more involved than usual today because there was just more two minute offense, more long down and distance stuff. Washington wasn't able to stay ahead of on the, uh, of the down and distance situations. New York Giants, 20. Chicago Bears, 12. Giants covered as three-point favorites. The under cash at 39. It was Daniel Vick and Saquon Barkley out there, Dwayne. Another two rushing scores on the ground for Daniel Jones. The one thing in his life that he knows how to do is run the football. Unfortunately, he suffered an ankle and foot injury. And then Tyrod Taylor came in and got concussed just a couple snaps into the game. So for a little bit, it looked like the Giants were actually going to go with the full-time Saquon Barkley Wildcat offense. And what made it so ridiculous was the first two snaps of that experience – Maybe it was just a package because they had Daniel Jones out there standing as the wide receiver, apparently not healthy enough to, you know, play quarterback, but they decided to put him out there as a wide receiver. So why don't the cornerbacks just beat the shit out of the quarterback? Like just immediately when the snap, <laughs> like press go, like put your freaking, put your, put a D lineman out there and cover up the quarterback and just, just take advantage of that. if They're going to mess around with it. But yes, really it was just a Saquon Barkley show. And now Dwayne through four weeks, the 17-game pace for Saquon Barkley, 421 touches, 2,422 yards, eight and a half touchdowns. I, I wrote these, I wrote those stats down in my notes. I came back to it before the show and I was like, come on, Ian. Like those seem a little high. Let me double check. No, they're correct. The dude's on pace for 2,400 yards, Dwayne. And why not? He went out there today, 93% snap rate, 31 carries, two targets. He's my RB1 overall this week. He's gonna be my RB1 overall next week, Dwayne. This is great. I feel like in part. You, me, we spoke this into existence over the summer, man. It just, <laughs> it just feels good. We were definitely high on him. Uh, we always talked about top, uh, you know, our you know top three RB was always in the range of outcomes just because of the profile. Um, if you had to redraft today, he is the RB one overall. Like that's yeah. who you're taking. Especially, we'll get to Jonathan Taylor later. But with the high ankle sprain, now having the injury, I think that clearly makes Barkley the number one. You know, and then we've just seen that Carolina, you know, another bad offense like the Giants, but McCaffrey hasn't been able to do as much with his touches as Barkley. Maybe he will eventually here in the future. Like CMC is still a really good player as well. But I think Barkley's easily the number one pick, um, you know, at least at running back. You may want to you may decide you're going Cooper Cup or something like that. Number one overall. But for sure, Barkley would be a top three pick. Um, the rest of the Giants offense, man, is just a complete mess. It's all moving rotation. <laughs> yeah, moving on. There, there's nothing here of any substance. No, nobody's seeing enough routes or anything. It's just all Saquon Barkley. I don't know if you saw the tweet I sent yesterday. I saw this YouTube video of this dude playing the drums, playing the guitar, and he's singing like all at the same time. And I'm like, this is Saquon Barkley. <laughs> Saquon <the Giants> Barkley. <laughs> 
<laughs> I just, you know, Dwayne, like I, I do a DFS podcast every week at Rotor Grinders. And like sometimes every once in a while I get to like Friday in the week. I don't do much of my DFS research till Thursday or Friday, just worrying about the other stuff before. And I start hearing about like who the chalk is. And I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? And this week it was Richie James at like 4K. I was just like, no, like we're not playing Richie James under any. So yeah, passing game, stay away, especially now that unfortunately Daniel Jones or and or Tyrod Taylor going to be at less than 100%. Quickly on the other side of the field, I really want to be able to say the three and one Chicago Bears. I guess the three and one Giants isn't like that much more ridiculous. From the NFC East, we would rather say the three and one Chicago Bears. Come on. (laughs) This is true. This is true. Justin Fields. All-time low passing prop for a starting quarterback at 145 and a half yards. He beat it, guys. 174 through the air. Darno Mooney had an awesome diving catch, 50 yards downfield, and that was pretty much it. Khalil Herbert, unfortunately, couldn't find his way into the end zone. He did give us 101 scoreless yards. Still is averaging 6.1 yards per carry this season. But Dwayne, unfortunately, with his passing game, still looking rather awful. It's another team. We just talked about the Giants. We have Saquon Barkley. Now we're talking about the Bears with Dave Montgomery out. It's Khalil Herbert and that's it at least he did go out there and not completely dominate the snaps but this is pretty close to RB1 level workload yeah for sure I mean it's 77% of the snaps is like that that's RB1 all the way um, 77% of the rushing attempts 100% of the short down and distance 92% of the long down and distance the only thing he shared at all was the two-minute offense 50% of those went to Tristan Ebner um, you know who we knew was kind of the passing down back that's just six snaps so three of those went to Ebner and not to Khalil Herbert um, so yeah, I think you can feel good about Herbert moving forward. Like it's obviously there's offensive problems here. Um, but Justin Fields wasn't involved in the running game at all today. Zero percent of the rushing attempts to Justin Fields. So it pretty much was just Khalil Herbert and then a little bit of Tristan Ebner sprinkled in. Uh, I think I thought Fields had like 50 rushing yards. Maybe on. Oh, did he? Okay, yeah. Person. Maybe. Oh yeah, he yeah. Had, no. He had seven carries, 52. Okay, yards. yeah, yeah. Might have so, been all scrambles. Okay, I see. Yeah, I've got an error in my. Uh, my quarterback data pool. Sorry. All yeah, good. no, he had seven carries for 52 yards. Still a great day to be great. The Jacksonville Jaguars lost to Philadelphia Eagles 29 to 21. Philly covered as a six and a half point favorite over cashed at 44. Like this was a Jalen Hurts floor game. And, you know, he was still able to go out there and put up some pretty damn good numbers. So, you know, you look at it, man. 38 yards on the ground, one touchdown, 16 rush attempts for Jalen Hurts right here. And now, you know, I brought up this rush, rushing pace. It gets more and more insane. Now on this season, Jalen Hurts is on pace to rush 234 times. The NFL single season record is Lamar Jackson at 176 back in 2019. So passing game wasn't in quite as much sync as always, but this was also a rainy, windy game. We knew what the uh, weather was going to be coming in and also just didn't, you know, Get a bunch of help from his wide receivers this time around. Dallas Goddard dropped what looked like it really had a chance to be an eight-yard touchdown at a minimum. We'll put it down inside the two-yard line in a first-and-goal situation. They had to kick a field goal instead. And then, Dwayne, as someone who in my home league matchup, I had like A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts, and I was playing Dallas Goddard. Jalen Hurts throws a touchdown to A.J. Brown on his screen, but Dallas Goddard gets the OPI on it. So I felt like personally that Goddard was trying to screw my fantasy team there. Of course, no one cares about it, and I probably shouldn't even bring it up, but that one just especially hurt me today. So Dallas Goddard, unfortunately costing these teams some points, but still man, 29 points for an Eagles offense. Now Trevor Lewin, 
Trevor Lawrence losing uh, four fumbles certainly uh, helped make matters easy for uh, Philly and company on offense, but this really did allow the big star of the day, Miles Sanders, to break break all the way through, man. 156 total yards on 29 touches and two touchdowns. If you guys caught our injury pod on Friday, myself and Nick Bodyford do it each and every week. We did note that small move, Boston Scott being out with that rib injury, it did help make Miles Sanders into a lesser extent. Kenneth Gamewell, you know, just better overall plays. So, yeah, of course, Dwayne, we got to get Trey Sermon out there on the field for a couple of snaps but really man more and more miles sanders like i get it we don't have the three down the pass catcher i've talked you know on and on about how dual threat quarterbacks don't always help out their running backs from a fantasy perspective but hell man if we're gonna pick an offense to get 15 20 carries a weekend might as well be philly yeah no i mean miles sanders looked really good today um and yeah we did have trace Sermon out there a little bit but it was less than what we've seen, um, you know, from Boston Scott. And then just the way this game turned, right? And the script worked out really good and it was raining. So they weren't throwing the ball as much. And they decided to give it, you know, to Miles Sanders, you know, quite a bit. So, I mean, he handled 57% of the rushing attempts. Gainwell had 12%. Got my data fixed. Jalen Hurts had 27%. So, yeah, he was the lead guy, 80% of the short down and distance. So that's key, right? That's the thing. Like we have not seen Miles Sanders getting the short down and distance. That means he doesn't get the touchdowns. So seeing him get that work today, like if that can be something we can see moving forward, that's really the hugest positive for him today is that. Um, because the Eagles do have a good offensive line. They have a good offense. They're going to be in the red zone a lot. They're going to be down inside the five-yard line a lot. So if Miles Sanders can be around – 60 percent 70 percent because you know Jalen's going to get some so like there's nothing you can do about that but if like he can be in that range that's going to be a really big positive for Miles Sanders because honestly he wasn't even he was not just not getting the carries down there like he was just coming off the field Um, and so now to see him be able to stay out there today that was a positive now that is where Boston Scott was stealing work so that might be part of it and that's why you guys probably noticed like in the first drive like the Eagles it's almost like they'll script it. It's Sanders, then Gainwell gets a little, and then they're down inside the five, and you're like, why is Boston Scott lunging into the end zone? Well, that because that's kind of been his role. So we'll have to keep an eye on it moving forward. But the positive is, like, Miles Sanders showed that he could do it today. So nothing else for me on the Eagles. Or, you know, we pretty much know it's this focused offense, right, with Goddard, Devonta Smith, A.J. Brown. Everything was really the same there. Um, you're going to kind of have some boom bust a little bit, but I think the weather was definitely a factor today as well. Miles Sanders, zero touchdowns in 2021 on pace for 13 in 2022. What a great day to be great. And yeah, last note, just Devontae Smith got a little bit banged up out there and was missing, I think, a series or two. I believe he came back, but just keep an eye on that injury report. I know he's been listed with a back injury the last few weeks. Hasn't really cost him playing time, but just something to keep in mind. On the other side of the field. 97% of the routes today, so like wasn't very hurt. Awesome. Great to hear. On the other side of things uh, with Trevor Lawrence, the guy mentioned those four lost fumbles. I mean, look, he he completed 11 passes. I know the weather was terrible. It was a tough Philly defense. He was on the road. Make whatever excuse you want. It was a terrible game from Trevor Lawrence and Christian Kirk, unfortunately, really felt, uh, you know, that only two catches. He did get 60 yards. They both came on the same drive, uh, basically back to back. The real star of the show was Jamal Agnew, four catches, 50 yards and two touchdowns with Zay Jones missing this one due to an ankle injury. So disappointing, Dwayne, in a game that didn't have Zay Jones, that, you know, had a situation where they couldn't really hook up with Christian Kirk as much as they wanted to. Travis Etienne, just one target, and it happened very late in the game. With that said, we did get the usage that we thought we were going to get from Travis Etienne in a game script where we saw the Jaguars trailing early and often. Yeah, but they just didn't target him. You know, 0% target share today for Travis Etienne. Um, Honestly, like, it was like Agnew getting worked in, like... uh, 
I don't know. Like, what is it with this guy? They love him. He wears thirty nine. Come on. No, I don't know. I mean, his nickname is Swagnew. I know his nickname (laughs) is Swagnew. He wears. It was cute when he was a kick returner. Now you play a real position. Get a real number. That's all. He must have something to him because repeat coaching staffs. You know they like him. But that was also the problem for Christian Kirk today. Um, Christian Kirk, who we've talked about before, not as good when he has to play on the outside. That dates back to his time with the Cardinals. But when you can get him in the slot, like his yards per route run, targets per route run, target shares, targets per all that kind of stuff goes up for Kirk. And today, with having Zay Jones out, he kicked outside more. He only ran 48% of his routes from the slot. Agnew, 67% of his routes came from the slot. So that was kind of problematic for Kirk. Kirk's going to be fine, though, man. 41% target share to him today. He had nine targets, two receptions. You already you know, talked about that. So he's going to be fine. Don't panic. 8.3 points. Look, it happens, people. You know, It happens all the time. Uh, to these guys that have volume doesn't mean that they can always come through for you every single week. So I think he'll be, he'll be good, but the efficiency is a lot better for Christian Kirk whenever he gets to play inside. So that would be the one thing we keep an eye on. What we don't want to see is anytime this team has a receiver hurt, like that Kirk has to play outside, like, come on, like keep him on the inside. And then, you know, real quick back to ETN. Like, I don't know. Yeah, he led the way 51% of the snaps today versus 47% for James Robinson. Robinson had the game script that we worry about, right? We've talked to people like people are like, James Robinson's invincible. And we're like, well, we hope he is like, we really do, but probably he's not. It's probably not just because of the data we've seen. And that's what happened today. Only 1.9 PPR points because of the trailing game script. He's out there 0% of the long down and distance, 0% of the two minute offense. Travis Etienne took all of that, was not able to parlay it into anything, had 3.2 PPR fantasy points. I could, I don't even have to say PPR because he didn't have a damn catch. So it was not a good day for Travis Etienne. I'm officially, it's nice. The role is there. The script was there, but man, if you can't demand some targets, Ian, they're not designing anything for you. It's like, what is going on? Like I would, I would think in a script like this, like there would be some screen plays. There would be, you know, some jet motion stuff, you know, bringing receiver one way, Travis Etienne going the other, like just some kind of creativity to try to get him the ball in space. And we're not seeing any of that. So that that's very troublesome to me. Why the hell dude? Jermichael Hasty had two catches. What are we doing here? Like he used, <laughs> Oh my gosh. That is Michael Hasty was only out there for 6% of the snaps and came up with two catches. Travis really? Etienne was out there 51%, man. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Like it's I, just, uh, uh, ugh. I was really hoping that we'd be able to, you know, get a nice jump on this one and start looking at ETN more so as this really PPR friendly RB three, but yeah, he's going to be really, really tough to start. Don't panic. Cut him. It's still a two RB backfield. God forbid. Yeah, do not the- cut him. Don't no, cut him. do not cut him. God, it sucks that you use a third or fourth round pick, you know, on just this player. It's a similar thing with Cam Akers. Right? Most people didn't have to do that. Most people got this guy for a fourth, fifth round pick. The leagues we were playing in, you had just yeah, it sucks for us because you're talking about us. We spent a third round pick on Travis Etienne, like on multiple teams. So yeah, it sucks. It sucks for Dwayne and Ian for sure. I'm not against buying him at an all-time low as we got people talking about. That's the thing, because worst case, he is still one of the highest up, upside handcuffs in all fantasy yes. football. And again, it, it sucks looking at our expectations a month ago versus now, but that's what it is. And just realizing that that's his value now, yes, don't emergency cut him. If you can, like, I don't think people are going to be wanting to asking that much out of him, Dwayne, uh, on the trade market. So I love that call. It's not going to, it's going to cost, if you can sell like a wide receiver three or something like that, and you're already really set there, go get Travis Etienne. And hey, this usage once bye weeks comes around, uh, is going to look a lot better. We know how that goes. 
All right, Jets took down the Steelers 24 to 20. Tale of two halves for Mr. Zach Wilson. But you know what, Dwayne? Good teams win, great teams cover. Jets obviously did that as plus three underdogs. The overcast at 41 and a half. So coolest moment of the day for Zach Wilson, catching a touchdown from Braxton Berrios and then hitting the gritty out there. And then, you know, he completed 50% of his passes, but the really important ones down the stretch managed to help them get into the end zone on the back of Brees Hall. So Good to see Zach Wilson. I've always maintained that, you know, for better and for worse, just the way he plays football is awfully entertaining. But I will say, man, you look at it now. We've had him, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, all active and only six games together. Corey Davis is number one wide receiver, 38 targets. Elijah Moore at 33. Braxton Barrios, 21. Nobody else over 15. So that includes last year, and there was no Garrett Wilson there or anything. I'm just kind of worried, and you tweeted this, Dwayne. We saw a more run-balanced approach from the Jets here. If they're not going to be in the top five or six pass attempts, Lord loves Zach Wilson. We don't, we're not expecting him to be at the top of the league in terms of efficiency anytime soon. This could become a problematic receiving room, but luckily – the running back room is starting to clear up. Yeah. So real quick on, on the passing stuff before we hit the running back room, um, they ended up still running 70 plays again, including the penalties, 44 of them were pass plays. Now, some of that was, you know, based on the game script, but getting to 70 plays like is still a positive, like for the jets offense. Um, you know, they had been first in dropbacks, you know, coming into the game with Joe Flacco dropbacks and regulation. Um, so they're not, they're not going to be, super far off of that. Um, you know, they have been right around 50 per game. They dropped back to pass 44 times today, probably more around 40. Like once you get rid of like a few holding calls and things like that. Um, so I, I think there's still some promise there from a volume perspective. Um, it did look like the way if the game's neutral, and I mean, I haven't had a chance to look up all the neutral stuff yet, but it looked like they wanted to be more of a, hey, let's get under center some more, run some bootlegs, let's protect Zach Wilson. So so I'll have to kind of monitor that. But I, I do want to say that it still ended up at 70. And, you know, from a passing from a sorry, from a total play perspective and the fact that Wilson looked better in the second half, like the first half, he was terrible. And in the second half, Zach Wilson did show a little bit of a glimmer of hope. And, and to your point, Ian, he ended up with a 90.6 PFF receiving grade. Like, that's pretty elite, <laughs> you know, on the day. But now on to the backfield. Yes, the Brees Hall takeover continues. Um, man, 66% of the snaps today, 61% route participation, 65% of the team's rushing attempts. So, like, he's already at a low-end RB1 profile, like, if these numbers stick. And it's been a steady climb for him, so I feel pretty good about this. They could always pull the rug out from under us because you and I both know Michael Carter's not a scrub. Like, he's a solid player. But Brees Hall is a really good player, and I'm starting to feel that like it's it's kind of what we thought. We didn't know how long this would take, but eventually it might be more of a 60-40, 65-35 split. It was 66-44 today. We didn't have a Ty Johnson or anything like that working in, and as long as we don't, like both of these guys like could provide some value. Obviously, Hall's going to give more, but 71% of the long down and distance went to, Bre went to Brees Hall today. Um, they split the two-minute offense 50-50. But, man, targets per route run, 23%. Target share, 19%. Like, Brees is, like, really active in the passing game. Has been for the last three weeks. Gets the short down and distance work. So he's getting all the money touches as well. He's, he's not just a 65-45 back. He's getting all the money work. And it's a young profile like Brees Hall. Like, go buy. Go figure out how to get him. I know he scored 15.8 points, and you're like, Dwayne, how do I go get that? It's going to be really hard because there's no running backs left. Like, they're all dead. <laughs> so it's going to be really hard. But, like, do what you have to do. I would buy a Brees Hall high. Like, I would be willing to overpay to get Brees Hall. Like, that's how, that's how strong of a stance I have on him with everything that we're seeing. 
especially with the pass game upside moving where it is. Yeah. Cause like if, if we only get to 70 or 75% snaps, that's fine when he's this explosive pass catcher that fits and again, checks every single box that we're looking for. So this week, I mean, there were only seven running backs, at least, you know, not including Thursday night football that, even past a 70% snap rate. So Brees Hall, you know, even though you're saying low end RB one, and that kind of caught me off guard just for a second, but when you start looking at really the, you know, every single backfield in the league, you're going to have a hard time, especially once we finally get these bye weeks coming in uh, to actually, you know, have to uh, worry about that. Also, by the way, the math check on 67, uh, 65 45 sometimes they play two running backs uh, on the field at the same yeah. time we see that in green yeah. bay we see that in cleveland uh, and we did get that in new york just for a few yeah like 10 percent of the plays they were out there together today so now on the other side of the ball Najee harris inefficient day at the office unfortunately zero targets and continues to lose some reps to Jalen warren also saw the wide receivers just not be able to get too much going with the exception of one george pickens having 102 scoreless yards deontay johnson just two catches 11 yards should have could have would have had a 30-yard touchdown from mitch trubisky on a great pass just barely got one foot down i would also mention Najee got a tackle just short of the one yard line on an attempt from the two and make up had a pick six originally ruled a score then his foot was deemed out just before all this to say the kenny pickett era is now Dwayne, he came in at halftime we had 13 pass attempts by him george pickens caught four pat fryer i'm sorry we had yeah 13 pass attempts george pickens caught four pat fryer caught four the jets defense caught three chase claypool caught two deontay johnson caught caught two and our guy zach gentry got one so I did not get a chance to watch every play of this game. I saw some people saying none of the picks were his fault. I saw some saying that two of them were tips. So I'll have, you know, my full thoughts on the performance it, later. It must but, not have been bad. He has a 71.6 PFF passing grade. So that tells me that at least two of those had to, because if you have two picks in a game, you're going to have yeah. a bad pass grade. So, he had an absolute nails throw to Fryermuth when he got like drilled in the pocket and he still managed to get it there. Yeah. Hey man, we'll see what happens. He's a rookie making his first appearance at halftime. It's not Mitch Trubisky. So now we maybe have a ceiling with these pass catchers. Do you think now that we could see something, though, similar to Washington, where we come in, we know Deontay Johnson's amazing. We know Terry McLaurin's amazing. But, hey, some of these other receivers, pretty good in their own right. Are you going to start considering shrinking the distance between Deontay Johnson and guys like George Pickens and Chase Claypool? Or do you think in a bigger sample size, we'll see Deontay do what Deontay does, and that is command the living shit out of a ton of targets? (laughs) I think that's what we'll see Deontay Johnson do uh, for sure. Um, you know, I mean, and Pickens has really kind of been in this role. Like it's a, he had a, his a dot was 20 yards. <laughs> so, I mean, he's still Good. like just running gassers all day long. Uh, Claypool, you know, had a chance to come down with a catch and look like so awkward. Like how can a guy that big not like look like he wants to catch? He took that of- bro. He took like the Mike Williams school of go up and like, don't even do a single thing to break your fall too. Like it just, <laughs> it looks so bad every time he comes down. Yeah. I, I think somebody put something up showing where the offensive linemen were telling him, we don't throw those balls to Claypool. We only <laughs> throw those to George Pickens and Deontay Johnson. It's pretty funny. Um, but you know, I think it's still the Deontay Johnson show, but I think it is a positive. Like Kenny Pickett gives us hope. We we basically know what, not basically, we know what Mitchell Trubisky is at this point. Now we were willing to look at him a little bit early this season, see what Mitch could do. But the fact that Pickett did come in gave them a little bit of life, and it wasn't great. They still only had 200 yards, basically total passing today. So they've got a long way to go. We need them to get up to where they're hitting the 260, 270 mark. We'd love them to be over 300. I don't see them getting as pass heavy as like what we're seeing with, you know, the commanders, but maybe they'll get a little more pass heavy, but I think Pickett's going to have to earn that. 
Bills took down the Ravens 23 to 20. Baltimore did cover as three and a half point home dogs. The under cashed at 50 and a half. This one got away from the Ravens. They had, you know, a big first half lead. Unfortunately, couldn't really keep things going. So credit to Josh Allen and the Bills. Another performance where Josh didn't play his best game by any stretch of the imagination. And then you look at the box score and it's like, oh yeah, 70 rushing yards and a touchdown. That's just, you know, what we get as the floor with this guy a lot of times. I'm sure he'll still be knocking on that door of the QB1, uh, you know, just a leaderboard once we finally get done with Monday Night Football. So Josh Allen, we know who he is. Stefan Diggs, only six targets in this one. I will say that basically he's had now seven games with the Bills where he's had fewer than eight targets. In the next game, he has never finished below 74 receiving yards, and he scored a touchdown in all but, and you know, Score a lot of touchdowns, score a lot of yards. You guys know it's Stefan Diggs. He'll be back just fine. The one interesting nugget I found, Dwayne, because it kind of the first time I heard about this in week one was looking at how quickly he got rid of the ball against the Rams and they didn't pressure him the whole game. And they were kind of talking about that. So I went through and looked at Josh Allen's career to see if that was a trend. And sure enough, man, 2.64 seconds from snap to release this year, previous years. He was at 3.2 as a rookie, then 2.93, then 2.99, then 2.88. So a big drop-off. And his average target depth, man, this is Josh Allen. This is the guy that has no time for checking down. This is a guy that's going to, you know, chuck the ball to a fullback in double coverage in the wild card game in the overtime because he freaking feels like it because he's Josh Allen. Average target depth, 7.1 yards this year. Previous years, 11.5, 9.8, 9.1, 9 yards. So, Dwayne, I wonder when we've talked about this Buffalo Bills offense over the years and how great Josh is and how great the receivers are and even Dawson Knox can go out there and score plenty of touchdowns when he gets those opportunities from time to time. We haven't gotten the running backs because the running backs haven't been able to take over and Josh hasn't been all that you know fond of throwing to them. All of a sudden, Dwayne, week after week, Devin Singletary keeps on having the sort of snap rate that we saw down the stretch of last season when he took over. And now we got Isaiah McKenzie in the concussion protocol. We got Jamison Crowder carted in the locker room with an ankle injury. Devin Singletary, man, might be this team's number two pass game option. I can't believe that I'm saying that, but here we are. And if that's the case, we're talking about an RB1, man. No, we talked about Singletary last week, and we were both kind of like, ah, let's see one more week. Well, we did. It, here's one more week. 87% of the snaps, 77% route participation, 55% of the rushing attempts. Now, Allen had 30%. So if you just compare him to the running backs, you know, Zach Moss had 15%, you know, the rushing attempt. He had three. Devin Singletary had 11. So it's really, you know, it's a bigger number than that. Whenever you look at Josh Allen's numbers and you mix those in. Um, so, you know, 75% of the short down and distance, 88% of the long down and distance, 100% of the two-minute offense, 16% target share. Uh, that's that's an RB1 profile. Now, it's a pass-heavy offense, and you know that Josh Allen is going to snipe looks. But remember, to your point, Singletary was an RB1 down the stretch last year with this utilization. He is another player that is a buy low when a lot of people are really in need of a running back right now. And he hasn't truly, he didn't pop this week. You know, only 12.6 fantasy points in a PPR. So, yeah, I, I I'm... I'm pretty much all in on Singletary at this point. Like, could James Cook or Zach Moss eventually carve something out? Maybe. I, I'm not worried about Zach Moss. Like, we, we've seen Zach Moss for long enough now. He's not. I think Singletary's got that. I think the guy you got to worry about down the stretch is potentially does James Cook take some of the passing work. But, man, we can't sit around and worry about this stuff forever. Right now, Singletary's getting the role that he had at the end of last year. It's just as likely. I would say it's more likely that he just keeps that role all season long at this point versus, you know, thinking that James Cook's going to come in and force something. Because Cook, even when, when he was out there today, his, his offensive grade of, uh, for PFF, 35.9. His receiving grade was a 27.8. He's not really been good when he's been on the field. So um, 
yeah, I think Devin Singletary, um, you got to look at him. I think mid-range RB2 is what we call him right now, kind of be a little bit cautious. But by next week, we be, we could be saying, wow, like this guy is just a low-end RB1 the rest of the way. And, I, and I, I do think some of it has to do with what you're talking about. Like, And I know there's some injuries and stuff, but our concern around Gabriel Davis was he didn't have a very good target share or targets per out run in his first two years, and he's not earning targets. Maybe it's tied to his ankle. I don't know because he did aggravate it You know, this week. Dawson Knox. He had his best day from a target share standpoint, you know, uh, 19% routes uh, per drop back or his route participation still wasn't like at the elite level. 67% though was at least a step in the right direction. So maybe we can get some more with Knox, but he's also not been able to earn anything. So if you got games where Stefan Diggs can't do it, and then you mentioned the injuries that they're dealing with, I agree. Like it really could be Singletary. Um, and man, like it would be nice. Like if you could get James Cook involved, you know, some way with all the the problems that you got going on but it doesn't look like they trust him right now. Comment section going nuts about James Cook, not getting any slot usage. And just, you know, in a game where your two slot receivers go down, you think maybe James Cook could get more than one target. But Dwayne, as we've sadly had to learn for the 10,000th time uh, this year, slot usage for (laughs) running backs, largely a myth. And by largely, I mean pretty much every damn time. I would note that Stefan Diggs, it looked like he had a chance for a 15-yard touchdown, but it went off his hands. I didn't get a full look on the play. This was on red zone for me, but he at least had a chance. And, you know, for Stefan Diggs, that usually is enough. Moving on to the Baltimore side of things, you know, similar thing where, hey, Lamar Jackson, he didn't get the rushing touchdown like Josh Allen, but he did add 73 yards on the ground to help salvage what wasn't a good passing performance. Similar to Philly and Jacksonville, though, I don't want to be too harsh on either QB because this was another game where, you know, the wim- the rain they were saying was, it's raining sideways, you know, by the time the third quarter was going around. <laughs> Shout out Ollie, the uh, weatherman. But looking at Baltimore, Rashad Bateman did get banged up for a little bit, but returned Justice, Justice Hill got banged up with a leg injury so it's been unfortunate with this passing game which i i think Dwayne, you know we, we kind of know in baltimore there's always going to be only so many targets to go around last year marquise brown was on pace for 139 targets this year unfortunately bateman's only on pace for 94 and some of those route numbers that you've talked about have been the big problem because bateman this year actually averaging more targets per route than marquise brown did last year unfortunately he's not getting the same routes mark andrews continues to just be the you know heart and soul of this entire passing game going to be tough for bateman to get over i think just that boomer bust wide receiver three type that he's really been so far to start this season so Dwayne, what i really want to focus on is just jk dobbins now in his second week off of injury still i don't think looking like the you know just explosive quote unquote i don't know if he quite got this tag but maybe not generational player we have six yards per carry as a rookie he was really 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 freaking good i'm not sure he's quite pat back to that yet but in this one 52 snaps 13 carries four targets we never see the ravens give their running backs these 70 80 workhorse roles but Dwayne, if we can start getting again 15 to 20 combined carries and targets for dobbins every week Okay, we're back in the top 24. Let's go. Yeah, and I think we're probably another week or two away from them, like from us seeing fully what they want to do with him. And so to already be at a 50%, you know, you know, snap share, to already be at 48% of the rushing attempts, I I think those are positive things, you know. I mean, he's out the routes per drop back, you know, 35%, not great, but if that number ends up at 50 and his snaps end up at 55, 60%, like that would be pretty phenomenal now we're eventually going to get Gus Edwards back and so we don't know what that's going to mean um you know obviously he's probably going to have some kind of a role too so I I don't think we can get super like crazy about what our expectations are but yeah today was good and and this today's the kind of day when Dobbins you know comes through for you in fantasy it's this kind of day 
Like he, you know, he scored a touchdown in the receiving game, you know, down inside the five for you. He scored a rushing touchdown, you know, that he was able to punch in from in close. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I like, I like what we're seeing. He's a guy that come the playoff time though, when he's fully healthy, especially like if Edwards doesn't like get like really back in shape, man, mate, what would it be like if we actually did see the Ravens, you know, kind of unleash, you know, like a 60, even like a 65% snappy and we don't need 80, <laughs> like, but a guy getting 55, 60% of the rushing attempts, you know, if he got to 60% of the rushing attempts on this team with Lamar helping create some huge holes. And if Dobbins even at like 85, 90% of what he's been, that would be uh, really juicy down the stretch for fantasy. Appreciate the chat updating us. Rashad Bateman actually left in a walking boot after this one. Twice. Yeah, so maybe yeah. this could be a situation where he misses a little time. What would Devin Duvernay need to do to get on like our, on like our top 36 radar, like maybe 20 touchdowns, 2000 yards, Dwayne. Then we start looking at him as a reasonable flex guy, you know, all, all jokes aside, he could be set up now to be the number one wide receiver in Baltimore. Now, is that just going to be something like, I'm not sure. I don't know where you have like Josh. Reynolds, I think the highest like, I could get with Duvernay is going to be like boom bus wide receiver four, but I think yeah. that's fine. Like, it's and, fine. and that, I think that's good advice. Like if you're playing in a smaller league, you're not going to use Devin Duvernay. If you're playing in a 12 team league that starts three receivers and two flex players, Duvernay might be, you know, your, your second flex on a certain week. You know, if we've got a situation where Rashad Bateman's not out there. Um, but I think he could certainly earn his way up the ladder from there. I mean, he's, to your point, I think kind of what you're getting at is like, you know, what does he have to do before we just admit, like, he's probably good at football. Like, yeah. I think Devin Duvernay is probably good at football. He had an 18% target share today, 35% of the team's air yards, which was tied for first with Mark Andrews. So, yeah, I, th- I think boom, bust wide receiver four. And if Bateman's out for an extended period and we can start to trust Duvernay, maybe he works his way into the wide receiver three conversation. And we basically think of him the way we were with Bateman. It's wild to me. There's no more wide receiver competition on this roster, but there isn't. So I guess we just need to move forward uh, with that. So just last thing, we've gotten some questions about selling high on JK. I think it's more of a hold situation, Dwayne. Like, okay, we could see Gus come back and take that. But to your point, there is a fat ceiling here for Dobbins as the looking like defender number one back. And we don't even know what Gus is going to give us. Yeah, I wouldn't sell on Dobbins either. I'm with you. That's fair. All right. Look, obviously anyone's for sell. Like depends on what the price tag right. is, but man, like running back is a complete mash unit right now. So, I mean, if you've got the right roster that makes it work and everyone else is so desperate because everyone is hurt and there's also probably, there's not many other people they can go to, to get a running back because they are all hurt. It could create a really big size sell high. I just want to be very clear when we say sell high, we mean like really sell high that like, I don't want to see, I don't want to see the, uh, Hey, Ian and Dwayne, you add us on Twitter and, uh, yeah, I got, um, I got Gabe Davis and he sent me like, you know, some three-year-old pair of shoes, you know, like it's going to have to be better than that. So that we say sell high, sell high. I don't think a three-year pair of shoes is that out of the question. What if you keep well, depends on how shape? much they've been worn. Like, I've are like you, you change shoes like that. every five minutes. I got like 20 pairs of shoes behind me. A lot of them I only wear certain <laughs> certain occasions. So, you know, three years, three years, not that crazy. Final note here before we move on. Mark Andrews, you know, it looks terrible on the box score. Just two catches, 15 yards. Could have, should have, would have had a 15-yard touchdown. Unfortunately, was not Lamar's best throw of the day. Moving right along. Complete shootout here. Seahawks 48, Lions 45. What a freaking game. Seattle covers as a three and a half point dog. The over the over was 48 and a half. So the Seahawks. I were thought there was point. no way this would get to the over. When I saw Amon Ross St. Brown was out, DJ Chark was out. We already knew DeAndre Swift was out. I was like, I know these defenses are bad, but like 
it's not like we have two elite quarterbacks ready to shred these defenses. I don't know. I, I don't know. I was like, wow. Man. We might have one. We might have one in Seattle. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> go for it. He's playing great. Like, so So go. The floor is yours, Ian. It's just the Duvernay thing, man. It's like, how long do players that we don't <laughs> think are good have to play good until, you know, we're willing to kind of rewire our mind? That's that constant pickle we have in fantasy football and life in general. How much do we wait what we've seen in the past? And how much do we try to wait what we saw in the small sample size moving forward? So just, you know, just take a bow, Geno Smith. Let's just appreciate the guy. 320 yards through the air, two touchdowns. And oh, yeah, he can run too, Dwayne. 49 rushing yards and a score on the ground looking back from 2021 to this year there's 49 quarterbacks with at least 100 dropbacks and Geno's sample size is growing by the day ninth in yards per attempt second in adjusted completion rate second in quarterback rating eighth in pff passing grade like literally Dwayne, he's like right next to aaron Rodgers in these efficiency metrics like every single one we don't see the counting numbers just yet but what we are seeing in this offense is just the fact that Geno is not only enabling both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett to a lot more fantasy relevance than we thought, but we're actually getting the sort of point totals where the running game can get going because no, we're not, we're never going to live in a day where Rashad Penny or Kenneth Walker can actually get a legitimate target share. That makes way too much sense. With that said, Dwayne, you talked last week about the change in this offense actually moving now with a pace. And if we have an offense that's moving with the pace, that isn't horrendous at scoring, all of a sudden, that early down running back that we weren't really interested in can actually become fantasy viable. And if Joshad Penny is going to continue to hold this lead over Kenneth Walker, which, again, I don't act really understand. Why Why do you go draft Kenneth Walker for your plan behind Penny? Whatever they are. It's been a couple of weeks of this, Dwayne, where Rashad Penny continues to do the damn thing. I mean, I talked about the Geno stats. Same kind of threshold last two years, 100-plus rush attempts. Rashad Penny, number one in yards per carry with 6.2. Tied for eighth in missed tackles force and number one. Four and a half yards after contact per carry. This dude is averaging over the past two seasons. So, Rashad Penny moving forward, man, he's what? Top 20? Probably. Uh, I think he's a high-end RB2. I think he's like 14, 15 right now if, if the Seahawks keep running this offense this way and Geno keeps running hot. Um, yeah, I mean, if you look at it, he's had four, we've got four games now. Um, today he had a 67% snap share. If we look at him, week one, 69%. Week two was weird. He was at 41%. But week three was 69%. So we've got three games where he – three out of four games where he's been 65% or higher in the snap share. And then if we look at the rushing attempts, very similar, like we've got three games of him basically right at 60%, you know, of the rushing attempts, he was 53% today, but Gino was definitely involved with 16%. So man, I, if Penny has had a great run out, like talk about a player where we're like, okay, you got a slow stagnant offense. So high. no, you don't just kidding. You don't, <laughs> So high. you've got a complete committee at running back. Nope, we're going to give you 65% of the work. And then we've got major questions at quarterback. No, you don't. Geno Smith's playing really good. So like the, the run out for Rashad Penny, we never doubted the talent. We knew that he needed to stay healthy. We I remember talking about on, on a pod for PFF when the free agency, when it was first starting, we both had Rashad Penny as like a top three guy. Yep. you know, uh, on the market, like because he smashes all the metrics. And like, if you look at him today, he did the same thing again. You kind of already talked about how good he's playing. And now you got an offense that's going to run all these plays uh, and they're going to be scoring more points. Yeah. The, Rashad Penny is a high end RB two for me the rest of the way. Like that's the upgrade that I'll be giving him. So I think he's had him as a high end RB three as of last week. Like, no, like I'm not even going to, I'm not even easing him up the board. Like I'm just going to go ahead and move him up. I mean, I've seen enough, you know, with the offense.
and, and Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, man. DK Metcalf's top 12 now. Like you probably, I think DK Metcalf is top 10. He's top 10 in this offense now. Tyler Lockett, probably a mid-range wide receiver too. You know, and there's going to be weeks where to your, we've talked about this how many times there's going to be weeks where it's going to be Tyler and not DK. And then we're just going to be arguing, you know, we're going to be back to our old argument of who's better Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf. And to your point, the answer is both <laughs> like both guys are good. Uh, today was a good matchup for DK because when they traditionally, whenever they face a heavy man coverage team, they just lock on to Metcalf like over the last two years. So it's, uh, and, and and that's a Metcalf thing. Like when you see him singled up, and you're just like, okay, I'm just going to go over there. Even with coverage over the top, like Gino doesn't care. He just goes to Metcalf in that situation. But Lockett was still good today too. He had 29% target share. So I, this the arrow is pointed up on the Seahawks offense, like in a big, big, big way. Real quick with Penny, this seems like a sell high situation though, Dwayne, because we do still have Kenneth Walker waiting there in the wings. And look, it's now been four weeks and this was awesome. Rashad Penny averaged freaking 8.9 yards per carry today. 17 carries today was his most in a game this season. They are splitting it somewhat with Kenneth Walker and we still aren't getting much pass down work. So do you think, again, it's all relative. I don't want you to go sell Rashad Penny for a wide receiver three and call today, but if someone wants to treat Rashad Penny as an RB1 and you can actually go get yourself you know, a top 15 wide receiver or something you value, that would interest me. If we can actually now sell Penny as to what you're talking about, him being this upside RB2 type, that makes sense because let's face it, this still is someone we have seen barely any evidence of the ability to stay healthy for an extended period and Walker's there, man, and they are using him, and I just have a hard time, as great as this is, as much as I would love to just, you know, keep riding with Gino, this does seem like maybe a short-term thing. Yeah, I mean, again, like any, if you can sell high, but you have to sell high, like don't just go give the player away. Um, You know, don't sell yourself short on Rashad Penny. Like today, he showed you what his upside is. I had him in every DFS lineup today, like all of mine, 100%, and I did 30 lineups today. And I still only had like five cash <laughs> because I didn't, I faded the lions because I was like, man, it's just too much steam on the lion side. I was like, I'm not going 30% Jamal Williams. I'm not going with TJ Hawkinson, man. If I would have just done that, cause I think Penny was at like eight, 7% today, which was crazy. He was $4,900 on DraftKings. Like I was just like, this is, this is insane. But yeah, if you can sell high, go for it. But like again, don't just give him away because this. I agree with you that Kenneth Walker could eventually, you know, challenge him down the way, and there could be an injury, and that could open the door. So I think there's a lot of ways. Like the offense, all of a sudden, you know, they could change. They could not run as many plays. I, I think they're going to keep that going. Um, but defenses, you know, they could start to figure out Geno. I, I think it's going to be tough though, just because it's Lockett and Metcalf and, and the things that they can do and how well Geno is locked in with them. Um, obviously don't expect Gino to play like at the same level we're seeing right now, but I've seen enough that he can make the offense viable for a week. To be fair, it was down to two backs. DJ Dallas, just 5% of the snaps there. So hey. that's the other part with Penny. I didn't mention 56% of the passing down work. Today. Yeah. We've not seen that. So picking that up, sorry, I left that out. That's a big part of it with me seeing. And last week when, um, Homer got hurt, Penny picked up a little bit of the passing down work. And then this week that expanded. So that's what makes him the high end RB two. Had we still seen him with like a 0% in the passing down work, like we would have been saying boom, bust low end, you know, RB two, but because he picked up that passing down work two weeks in a row, that's what's moved him up. 
It's that uh, interception DJ Dallas threw. Scott in the doghouse, man. Pete's not here for uh, <laughs> running backs trying to force it like that. It's funny you bring up the the DraftKings amount just because I, I was like showing future Mrs. Tits uh, this is something on my phone and I had the little draft things thing come up where I was like, oh, congrats, you won $25. And she was like, oh, you won. That's great. And I was like, you don't want to know uh, the amount of money that went in there. And then the 25 <laughs> I got back that they sent me that little insulting notification at the end of the day. But I was just like, oh, yeah, thanks. You know, I, I just love how DraftKings keeps it so positive. You know, know. You, you put a thousand dollars in like, Ian, you won twenty five dollars a day. It was awesome. <laughs> and that makes How about when you don't get a notification? You're like, oh, Jesus, <laughs> one of those days. huh? So, all right. Final few notes from this one. Uh, to Dwayne's point. Yes. He, he, you know, amazing call with the man coverage uh, stuff with DK Metcalf. My point with Lockett maybe being the one to potentially go off was the idea that th- that Detroit was going to use the same coverage on Metcalf as they did on Justin Jefferson, which is Jeffrey Okuda pressing him and sending some help over the top. And yeah, they tried. Guess what? DK Metcalf was way better than Jeffrey Okuda for 60 minutes. He got his. But with Tyler Lockett, we did see him you know, take advantage of that matchup against Amani Amani Oruwarie, which that was a good one. This year, man, A.J. Brown beat him like a drum. Thielen killed him. And now Tyler Lockett had a big game that should have honestly been so much bigger. Six catches, 91 yards, dropped a 10-yard touchdown right off its hands in the end zone. And he got loose for a 45-yard score potentially early, man. Rare misfire from Geno Smith. So to your point, Metcalf, Lockett, we got the volume we wanted. And guess what? The efficiency isn't even falling off. Great day to be great in the Seattle offense. I did not think we'd be saying those words this year, Dwayne, but it's awesome. They surprised us. It is Let's awesome. freaking do this it. This is why we play. Yeah. This is why we play, man. All right. Now, again, how- another example of why you just don't let talent fall too far in your draft. Like, yeah. remember, we finally just had a line in the sand. It's like, okay, like we can't, Metcalf can't go past this. You know, like, really, are we going to do this? You know, I remember you coming on. Dwayne, like, are we really going to let DK Metcalf all pass this line? And I think, again, we talked about Dalen Waddle last week. It's just another example when you have a a player that has this talent profile like this. You know, even in the worst of circumstances, talent still gives you outs. So question about Goff and Gino being borderline QB ones moving forward. We'll see. It depends on the week, depends on the matchup. I think if anything, they're in that mix of those pocket passers like Dwayne, I think that's looking back at our quarterback strategy. I think we nailed the fact that there were six difference making quarterbacks and the Trey Lance situation worked out how that worked out. But I think the difference we've seen at least so far is quarterback seven and eight and quarterback like 20, there really wasn't a drop-off after Cousins and Carr. Like, we still had other guys like Tua, like Trevor Lawrence, and like even, you know, Goff, Geno, and Wentz that are still able to give us some production. So, yes, there's only a few aliens out there. You know, your Kyler's, your Justin Herbert's, your Mahomes's of the world, and we know who they are. Maybe don't be quite as confident, and by you, I mean me, and everyone out there in our ability with these other pocket passers, and just maybe the potential for them to benefit from a matchup like this because – my God, the Detroit Lions, the most entertaining team in football, Dwayne. Number one scoring offense in the NFL with 35 points per game. Number 32 scoring defense with 35.3 points per game allowed. It is fantastic. It's fantasy football heaven. And somehow Jared Goff is, you know, the engineer of it all. 378 yards, four touchdowns. He didn't have a Monroe. He didn't have DJ Chark. He lost Khalif Raymond for a little bit. He had a head injury. He also lost Quintez Cephas. Like, my goodness, man. It, it just didn't matter. It was TJ Hawkinson going for a buck 79 and two tutties. Josh Reynolds had 81 yards and a touchdown. Almost had a second one, but got tackled at the inch line. Hawkinson could have had a third touchdown, but Goff threw it out of the end zone. And of course, course our guy this year's jamal williams as we said all summer to anyone that cared to listen 108 yards and two touchdowns so 
you know, when Amonra's back, obviously we'll be back there and we can, you know, a little bit Josh Reynolds, just great. He's doing this. We have a passing game to take advantage of, but the big focus here moving forward, Dwayne, is the potential for DeAndre Swift to miss him a couple more weeks. I believe their bye is week six, and Dan Campbell yeah. said, get him, get him past that, and then if we have the Cowboys game coming up after. If he's going to float that out there, that makes me think that's probably the plan. I don't know why he would say it otherwise. So if we have Jamal Williams back next week, on the one hand, we have a running back that's looking like a safe bet to see 15 to 20 touches inside, again, the number one number one scoring offense. On the other hand, Dwayne, unfortunately, we kind of saw the uses looking more so like last year, and we thought it was going to be more of a workhorse role because Jamal Williams was more banged up last year, but Craig Reynolds and Justin Jackson did combine to take away a little bit more of the uses than we would have hoped for with Jamal Williams. Yeah, Jamal was only at a 49% snap share, 32% to Craig Reynolds, 14% to Justin Jackson. Um, you know, he dominated the the carries, so 77%. So almost kind of like what we've seen with Josh Jacobs, like, you know, his snap share, you know, might not have. Well, and Josh Jacobs has actually looked a little bit better than that. But, um, you know, if you're going to be out there and you're going to get 75% of the rushing attempts, that, that's really good. But we thought he would get more of the passing down work. Now, he wasn't a zero in the passing down work. He had 40% of the long down and distance, and he had 44% of the two-minute offense. But the most important role right now on the Lions offense, because they're scoring so much, is the short down and distance. And he had that 100%. So he's really been that guy, and he continues to be you know, that. So, so as long as the Lions are scoring, like you're going to be fine with Jamal Williams. But if you have a week where you know they don't get several opportunities inside the five-yard line and he doesn't have a chance to you know really punch one in, that could be a problem. Now, his targets per route run were still really good, 21%. It only equaled an 8% target share, though, because he was only out there for 29% you know, of the routes. So his route participation was really low. We really want to see running backs at 45 to 50%, like that elite mark of 65%. 60% is really good. He was well below that, not even half of that. So Craig Reynolds, that's really where he got involved, 38% route participation, 40% of the long down distance, and then 50% of the two-minute offense. And Justin Jackson just got in a little bit really towards the end of the game and maybe the end of the first half. Um, I can't remember exactly when it was, but not really a factor, but enough to honestly just kind of keep Craig Reynolds from being someone you want to use. <laughs> That's the problem with Justin Jackson. Cause if he wasn't involved, like we could honestly be like, okay, well fine. Like we can actually use Craig Reynolds in like a low end RB three with sure. upside kind of scenario. But right now looking at the workload that he got, it's like, eh, nah, just kidding. Probably can't use you. You're really more of an RB four desperation play. Jamal did show off some of that, you know, long speed there, had the 50-yard touchdown run with a little stiffy. The James Robinson special, as it's been this year, but I think maybe did a little bit more uh, to go get there. Either way, man, through four weeks now, five running backs with at least 70 PPR points. Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, and your boy Jamal Williams. Fresh off that fine for the uh, triple pump, Dwayne. Two pumps, not, not more. We've all, we've all grown <laughs> up learning that. Titans took down the Colts 24 to 17 Titans covered as a four point dog. The under cash at 43 points ever. So barely another 130 plus yards yards, another touchdown for Derrick Henry. The man is doing his thing out there. It did not look good in the first two weeks of the year, but at the end of the day, when you have Derrick Henry and his Titans offense, they're going to feed him the ball. And the performance even could have been bigger, man. He had a 30 yard touchdown, get nullified where it was like a downfield block from Traylon Burks. And he was pissed about it. And, you know, understandably, but it was one of those where you get the penalty, but like, it's still a first down because it happened so far downfield. So ended up actually being a passing touchdown on that drive. So this year now, man, Henry, if he stays healthy, 
357 touches, 1,696 yards, and 13 touchdowns is the pace. And honestly, he puts another one or two of these games together. And I think those yards and touchdowns could start to get astronomical level. With that said, Dwayne, the real interesting thing, and this is now back-to-back weeks where we've seen a little bit more of Derrick Henry as a receiver on pace for 34 catches and 387 yards. Not that high, but his previous career highs are 19 catches and 206 yards. Talk about Derrick Henry's like beyond the scenes, not beyond the scenes, beyond the box score utilization. And like, is this the scenes work? (laughs) Is this something where, you know, he's just gotten lucky with a couple extra catches or like, is he actually have a new role? Yeah, I've got a backstage pass for you to uh, Derrick Henry's utilization. <laughs> um, no, no, it was good, man. Um, you know, look, 41% route participation is not great. Like Dontrell Hilliard's still out there 45%, but they're designing things for him. We talked about that last week. The really interesting development for Derrick Henry this week, 44% of the two-minute offense. That's not something we ever see. That usually all goes to Dontrell Hilliard or to someone else. So the fact that they're designing stuff for him on the early downs, and now he got a little bit of work in the two-minute offense, you know, almost half of it, you know, 56% to Hilliard, 44% to Henry. Like, that's encouraging. So to see two weeks where he's getting the targets and now getting that work in that kind of a role, um, he led the team in target share today, dude, 24%. His targets per route run, 45%. (laughs) So, and, you know, we've got an injury to Traylon Burks, you know. Um, he He left the, you know, the building in a boot, you know, so it's either an ankle or a foot issue for him. And yeah, like, fine, Robert Woods is going to do his thing. But after that, like, who else do they have? Like Kyle Phillips, uh, Nick Westbrook-Akini? Like, so I I like what we're seeing. I think it's something that we're probably going to, and again, these things can totally change. But if I had to to guess, like, it's trending in the right direction. So I I think this is probably going to be Derrick Henry's best receiving year. We're not saying he's going to catch 70 balls. But I think, you know, the pace that he's on that you just talked about, I think he could hit or slightly eclipse that because really the utilization in the passing game has increased over the last two weeks. I think they've realized like, okay, look, we've just got to find different ways to get him the ball. And so I think it's very, very positive development for Derrick Henry. And he did have a bad drop. He's never going to go out there and, you know, completely impress you with his ability to, you know, run precise routes and things of that nature. But again, we're not asking for him to be his 50, 60 catch guy. We'll yeah. live with that in the thirties. Doncho Hilliard still getting involved, but yeah, losing Traylon Brooks potentially got cart. I mean, anytime there's a cart involved, unless you're TK Metcalf and just need to go to the <laughs> bathroom, uh, usually going to be a pretty bad thing. So hopefully Traylon gets better. I'm with you. Even if Traylon Brooks out of the picture, like what Robert Woods becomes, we move him up a couple spots in the wide receiver four ranking. And I'm not saying you can't use that guy, but I just think, you know, in this passing game, we saw what they want to do today. Ryan Tannehill threw the ball 21 times. That's best case for the Tennessee Titans offense. And it's just going to be tough for anyone to make the most out of that, unless you have as much freaking natural ability as someone like AJ Brown to really go ahead and do that. So, Another injury to talk about on the Colts side. Jonathan Taylor, the fear is a high ankle sprain. And Dwayne, they're in Denver for Thursday night football. So this is going to be a quick turnaround. We talked about Naeem Hines. We moved him up the ranks a lot in August, specifically because in the preseason games, hear me out, people. First team usage without Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines dominated. It was taking every single snap out there. I believe Pope Lindsay is still on the practice squad, but man, when you cut the guy from the active roster and you stash him on the practice squad and like you're not even like giving him a play or two in games like this, I'm just really I, – I don't see this being a Jordan Wilkins situation from a couple years ago when Marlon Mack would get hurt and Wilkins would really come in and take the heavy, heavy majority of the early down stuff. Naeem Himes kept the pass down stuff. I think with Naeem Himes, we're looking at Indy Austin Eckler. Way worse offense than things Matt Ryan – 
slightly better game, I guess, from Matt Ryan today. I didn't get a chance to watch every play just yet. But in my opinion, Naeem Hines here, you know, buying from the uh, Frank Reich lineage here. Middle-class man's Austin Eckler. And with that, Dwayne, it's going to be hard to keep him out of the top 20 in full PPR. Yep, going to be very hard. Um, I, I'm with you. I think he'll lead the way. I don't think it'll be a situation. I think one of two things happen. They'll find a way to work some of these other guys in. He's, he's not going to get 80% of the rushing attempts, right? No, but I think We don't need it. We don't need it, but I think he 50 to 60%, maybe even 65%, but the Colts decide they're going to throw the ball more, right, with Jonathan Taylor not being in the offense. I mean, we saw that. You know, we've had to see that more from the Colts because they've had the trailing scripts, um, you know, more often this year than what we saw in the past. So I think Naheem Hines, yeah, is going to be mid-range RB2, you know, for me heading into this Thursday night. Um, maybe low-end RB2 for the first week, but he's definitely going to be in the RB2 range. And if you've got him with all the injuries that are going on, like you're probably going to have Naheem Hines in your starting lineup unless you're playing in a really, you know, shallow league. Not much to talk about with the utilization here because the injury for Jonathan Taylor really happened at the end of the game. So there's not anything for us to really do to go in and, and dig in. Um, but I think one of those two, you know, or some combination of those scenarios, a slightly more pass heavy offense that way if Hines is getting 55, 60% of the rushing attempts, it's not like that's adding up to 25, but he's going to be highly involved in the passing game as well. And it's going to be something that we're going to be really happy about in fantasy football, uh, Michael Pittman real quickly, like folks, he's fine. He was out there plenty, you know, he saw 17% of the targets, like this stuff just happens. Um, you know, Paris Campbell continues to lose routes. Alec Pierce, though, he came through with 12 fantasy points today, but I was kind of hoping like we would see, oh, like, did he pass, you know, Paris Campbell? He didn't, but we did see an increase today from Mo Ali Cox. You know, so he had 62% route participation. That was his highest on the season. He was a guy that we kind of thought, okay, towards the end of the preseason, you know, he was another guy that we were like, okay, fine, just take him to the end of your draft. If the preseason utilization sticks, great. If it doesn't, fine. You know, he didn't cost you anything. So he's kind of working his way back up. Colin Grants and Jelani Woods are still involved, though. So it's still a three tight end, you know, monster. But maybe and maybe today, sometimes we see these kind of performances can help turn the corner, you know, on a player to where all of a sudden they're like, okay, fine, let's use this guy. Like, why not? Like, who else are we going to in this? They offense? paid him. They paid him. Exactly. The you guy. paid him. You've got Michael Pittman. That's it. No one else is really stepping up. You got Jonathan Taylor hurt. Like, just let's let Moe, let's let Moelle Cox do some stuff. Final note is to Dwayne's point, nothing to worry about Michael Pittman. He actually had like back-to-back chances for touchdowns inside the five-yard line where it wasn't. Nine, yeah. What's like barely missing him. Yeah, exactly. Like not a drop by any stretch. I don't even want to throw Matt Ryan under the bus, for, like a bad throw. It just would have been a tough catch and a late great throws. play. Both were late, a tad late yeah. on the first one. He's boot. He's rolling to his left. Like you got to throw that like a step before, like you Pittman didn't have a chance on that one. The next one was a little closer. Like it was to the opposite of the fi- side of the field. I saw both of those plays. Um, but still is like just a beat late. Like, so, and, and those are things they'll work out. Like Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan's a timing quarterback. Yeah. Like, you know, so to your point, to your point, like I looked at it as like, wow, like he really probably should have had a touchdown in the game. They were back to back. So it wasn't two separate touchdowns. Cause if you catch the first one, you don't get a chance to catch the second one. Like they're on this, they're, they're on the same drive, but yeah, it could, his box score could have looked, you know, a lot better than a 6.1 fantasy points. That's when we get the, not a sequence, Dwayne, a sequence. 
sequence sequence something like that yeah we'll we'll work on it we're gonna (laughs) gonna workshop that we'll get back to it chargers took down the texans 34 24 easily covering as a five and a half point favorite over cash at 45 mr three touchdown austin eckler the man is back in 2021 he had 345.8 ppr points this year he's on pace for 330 ppr points last year here's the overall rb2 that total for this year would also go rb2 now in the first three weeks of the year he was getting there on insane fourth quarter comeback mode check downs it was bullshit rb31 the first three quarters of the first three weeks rb3 in the fourth quarter guess what they all count the same in fantasy land and that's what happens with this offense if they do fall behind in a rare occasion it's fine for austin eckler if they get up by a lot guess what he's probably going to be a big piece of that unfortunately Dwayne, we still are seeing plenty of sony michelle and joshua kelly but again it's one of those things with austin eckler i don't expect him to have three trips to the end zone each and every week but even like our takeaways from last week, like it was kind of disappointment because you drafted a guy probably in the top five, top six overall picks. And if you're not ranking him as a top three, top five running back, that's a bummer. But under no circumstances are you just ever even considering putting him outside your, you know, top RB1, RB2 spot. He's always going to be a top 10, top 12 at the absolute worst case running back in this offense with this pass catching profile. Are you ready to move him back up in that top five, or do you still think there's enough concern with Sony Michelle and Joshua Kelly here? Because I do believe both of, both of Austin Eckler's uh, rushing touchdowns came. I think it was like from eight yards and then twenty yards out. So finally. They were the only team in the NFL entering the game that didn't have a rush of at least 15 yards. So they got that monkey off their back. But the concern for Eckler seems to be, and I think he even said this on his awesome podcast with Matt Harmon, where he said that he needs to go and kind of score before they get to the goal line. That's when Sony Michelle or Joshua Kelly might come to town. He did that today. So Austin Eckler, am I just wasting too many words? Cause like, yeah, start the guy. Yeah. I mean, it was a great matchup for him today. So, I mean, like I had him in my top, four you know backs this week like just because of the houston matchup um and he was able it was good to see him come through you know um i'm I'm still a little bit concerned but less like when i see a player that we that we've seen be a really good player before in the past and they have a performance like this i'm much more quick to move them back right like where if it's someone that we've never seen do it um and maybe their talent profile was just kind of meh and we're like they have to earn it more like they kind of have to move back slowly but Eckler had only made one move down. He started off as a mid-range RB1. You know, he fell to a low-end RB1 for me. So he'll be back in the mid-range RB1. Um, he did handle 67% of the short down and distance work today. So that was a positive because really that's been the thing that's been missing. Like he had zero of the, you know, snaps inside the five-yard line coming into today. Now, I don't I don't have that data directly in front of me right now, but short down a distance usually equates to the same player that's going to get the work inside the five. And we've seen Eckler be a little light on the short down a distance coming into this game. So to almost be at 70%, like that's a positive. So we'll keep an eye on it. Like that was the huge difference for Eckler last year. One, the offense took a step forward, you know, and you have a really good quarterback. You're scoring a lot of points. So that was the, the, the atmosphere was really good. But the next part was he had never been someone that had gotten over like 30, 40% of the work inside the five. And all of a sudden he had like 75% of it last year. So to see him right back at 70% almost today, like that's a really positive thing. We'll have to keep an eye on it. If he keeps that, then I will have no issues because we know he's going to catch the passes. That's That was never really a doubt, even though, like you said, you know, some people would complain. I'm like, well, but yeah, that's why we care about the two minute offense role. 
You know, if you're like, man, he's sucking out on me. He has the two minute offense role. That's what they do. They suck out on you. It's predictable. Like it's going to happen. It's not really a suck out. Like if you know, it's going to happen, like if the player has the role. And so we know he has that. We just need him to get the carries inside the five. And we just need this offense to get back on track. And they did today. Big Mike Williams back with another big performance. Seven catches, 120 yards. Yeah, he benefited from a no one guarding him on his 50-yard catch and run. But that's those those kind of things happen when you're Justin Herbert's undisputed number one pass game option, which he continues to be with Keenan Allen missing time with the hamstring injury. Unfortunately, both Josh Palmer and DeAndre Carter were suffering here a bit. Dwayne, do you have the routes up? Did they just not yeah, get the man. ball? Or were they Palmer down? Palmer only 59%. 59% <sighs> route participation. DeAndre Carter at 80%. So Palmer had really had a good record, too, as far as games with Keenan Allen yeah. or Mike Williams out. Um, he had been three for four. He's three for four now, right? He had been three for three, or might have maybe it was four for four. So he's either three for four or four for five. I can't remember now, but he's he's got this one game now. So I was kind of hoping like I would get in here and just be like, oh, yeah, fine, 85% routes. But, you know, sometimes they don't just come through. But to see him lower in route participation, now I didn't see anything, any kind of notifications of him being dinged up or anything. Sometimes those things we don't hear about, though, you know, in the games. We don't get every injury notification. So maybe there's something going on there. I haven't had a chance to research it. But on the, you know, on the surface, it doesn't, that's not encouraging that he was out there less than DeAndre Carter. Was he losing reps to Michael fucking Bandy? Who is this guy? <laughs> Michael Michael Bandy, yeah, out there with 6.9 PPR points, baby. 27% routes uh, participation, so they got a fourth guy involved. And, and that's why I was kind of wondering. I don't know if he maybe got dinged up for a few plays, had to miss a series or something. Sometimes these guys will get hurt, and the next drive they'll miss while they're just you know kind of resting for a minute. And if that next drive goes for like 11 plays, it can make something look like this. And so I don't know for sure. Michael Bandy, Dwayne, like, again, <laughs> we talk here so Michael much, like, e- even like Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> see, we, we do a lot of, we do a lot of prep work. My freaking show sheet that I have all these notes on, 2,500 words, probably too much, but I, <laughs> we focus a lot on, fo- even if you think we're just wrong or something, like, I think any, our haters can even admit that, like, we spend a lot of time on this. I have never heard the name Michael Bandy before. This happens every <laughs> once in a while, and the guy went out there and had, you know, more yards than Josh Palmer and DeAndre Carter combined. My, uh, you know, my my pivots off that uh, Detroit Lions game on uh, the DFS slate, man. To those, uh, they didn't include Chargers Michael Bandy. <laughs> didn't have Michael Bandy <laughs> on the uh, exposure list, unfortunately. But big game uh, from Mike Williams. Another big game from Gerald Everett. Uh, Sixty-one yards and a touchdown. One of those things where I just think that even though he doesn't have the most ideal usage, it was the case with Jared Cook last year and. Jared Cook isn't as good as uh, Gerald Everett. So, you know, look, moving forward, yeah, it's going to be tough for Everett to ever again that top five, top six, but certainly still someone you're feeling good about the tight end position. Let's go on over to the Texans. Especially in weeks without Keenan Allen. Like, yes. I think at this point, if you've, point. Got, if you've got either Mike Williams or Keenan Allen out, like, I think you really, you should feel golden about Everett, even though, to your point, his route participation is not great, 61%. But targets per route, 24% are good, and that's getting him to a 16% target share. And we've really seen Herbert gravitate to him down inside the 10-yard line. And so that's a really big deal, especially for tight ends. On the Houston side of things, shout out Davis Mills. Had some better counting stats in the first part of the year. It's tough to hold much against him just with this overall offensive environment. But we did get the Brandon Cooks bounce back. Seven catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown. Nico Collins had a 50-yard 58 yard catch and run. I tried to look it up on Twitter. I couldn't find anything. You know, did this really happen? Is this a big conspiracy here that, you know, they're getting, we're getting tested on. I don't know, Dwayne, but obviously, you know, there is one star in Houston right now and his name is Damian Pierce. 
14 carries, 131 yards, and a touchdown. And oh, hey, he caught six passes for eight yards. So that's six passes. He caught six passes for eight yards. That's equivalent to 68 extra rushing yards in this stupid full PPR world we <laughs> live in. But hey, man, got that 75-yard rushing touchdown, and I got a pretty cool stat here. Damian Pierce, rushing yards before contact in weeks one through three, he had 21. In week four, 90. Man. If he's thinking, that was a perfect. That was a perfectly blocked play. That that was, was the old alley play. That uh, makes you think of like Vince Lombardi. I think it was. I think even Red Zone like called that out. I, that's the first thing I thought of. Like you go back and watch those old Lombardi films, and he's drawing it up. And he's talking about the alley all the time. You're like, that awesome. There's the damn alley. Cool. Like that's the alley. Like I haven't seen an alley that good, and since preseason last year when when Ramondre just Ramondre. took one to the house, <laughs> it was the same thing. The same play. So. Right? It was awesome to see Damian Pierce do that. And it's good they are throwing him the ball, even though we do have Rex Burkhead. You know, he got in there and got a receiving touchdown. He's always going to be involved as well. And he was here. It was 68% snaps for Damian Pierce, 32% for Rex Burkhead. But hey, man, we talked about what like Rashad Penny is. And this is basically the Rashad Penny role, I think, what we have here in Houston. The offense isn't as good. We're not going to see the same sort of pace. And I'm not expecting the Texans to even score 24 points more weeks than not. But Damian Pierce, man, he can do far worse than a very good running back. Still looking at 15 to 20 touches per game weekly, low end RB2. Yeah, he's not quite the penny roll because he had we haven't seen him get any of the passing down work. That's still that's all going to Burkhead. So that's the part that's kind of been nice with Penny. Um, we have a Chargers fan in the chat. He says, I'm a Chargers fan and I've never heard of Bandy. So I, don't, <laughs> I, really, I don't feel bad. Who are these guys? This guy here's dead. Um, yeah. So Pierce, you know, really still an early down guy, but you know, when you see a game like today where, you know, you have the Chargers really, you know, come, you know, it started off, you know, a little bit rough, you know, but the Chargers getting out ahead and, you know, they still kept using Pierce, you know, in the running game. I think he's a guy that's going to see somewhere between like 12 and 18 touches, you know, each week. I don't think he'll get this much passing work every week, but obviously they're making a concerted effort even to get it to him on early downs. And we haven't really had anybody else step up in the passing game. Maybe Nico is kind of showing a little bit to your point, but I don't know. I mean, I, and, and the rest of these guys are not super exciting. So why not, you know, get the ball on the early downs uh, to Damian Pierce in the passing game? Falcons took down the Browns 23 to 20, covering us a one point home dog under cash of 48 and a half. Uh, oh, man, just just the Kyle Pitts shit. I, I'm getting so annoyed about this. Way. And you know what? Marcus Mariota only completed. Do we want to just stop? Do we not want to talk about it today? That, that's going to wrap up this. I know. <laughs> Marcus Mariota, he only, he only completed seven passes and like Drake London had 17 yards too. So like just no one other than Alameda Zacchaeus was going to have a, a good game through the air. And this one, unfortunately in the backfield, awesome touchdown run from Cordero Patterson, but clearly at less than 100%. And because of that, we had not just Tyler Algier, but also Caleb Hundley and Avery Williams plenty involved. And it was good to kind of see this happen because if we are going to see CPAT miss time, no, we can't trust Tyler Algier as anything more than a disgusting like low end RB3 at best. I'd even probably say it's going to be fairly easy to rank 36 guys ahead of him if we don't have any buys to worry about. So can't really take too much away from these backup running backs other than that it's a freaking crowded room at the moment credit to Atlanta though for having all these guys and you know still averaging 5.8 yards per a pop going up against the Cleveland Browns D-line without Miles Garrett or Jadavion Clowney so just man pain pain Dwayne that's all I see because you know I, I see this box score and I see the Mariota stats and I start to wrap my mind around oh just a damn week but at the end of the day man Kyle Pitts in the first half of week three he had four catches for 82 yards and his other 14 quarters combined 
he has six catches for 68 yards. Like we're not even talking about the lack of touchdowns. We're so, we just want, you know, like five catches. Can a guy get five catches, you know, like, but the most annoying part of all this, again, it's not just a lack of production, Dwayne. It's the fact that he's not even running a route all the time. Yeah, man. Uh, 60% route participation today. So if we look at Kyle Pitts on the season, like it's like, there's a clear trend here. Uh, 72% route participation week one. Then he had the 91%. We thought everything was better in week two, even though he didn't come through with a big box score. We thought we were good. Then it dropped back to 68% in week three. This week we get a 60 percenter. Now he's still demanding targets like 20, uh, 33% targets per route run. That helps him get to a 24% target share, but it's just not ideal, man. Like forget the fact that they didn't throw a lot of balls and there was only so many completions in the game, like the underlying data, like we, we know that stuff can flux up and down, you know, 24% target share is still, that's not bad, but it's really hard to have a 24% target share when you're only out there for 60% of the route. So I think at this point, like we've just got to expect that picks that Pitts is a 60 to 70% route participation guy. Um, and we just got to hope and pray. There's nothing you can do with him. You can't sell Kyle Pitts, right? I'm not selling Kyle Pitts right now. Are you kidding me? I will not live with myself. You're not going to get anything. That's the point. And then he's going to get all of a sudden, he's going to be out there all the time. And you're just going to want to, you know, like just strangle yourself. Like, so you can't like, because we know the talent is there. He's one of the few tight ends in the league that if he gets the work and his coach like wakes up, you know, he has the top three potential, you know, he can do it. We've even been seeing it, you know, this year. Um, 2.8 yards per route run today. Like, so, I mean, all of his peripherals are still really good. I know I have people, man, when are you guys just going to admit Kyle Pitt's not good at football? I'm never going to admit it because he is good at football. Like we saw it last year and today 76.7 PFF receiving grade. Like it's it, Kyle Pitts is doing his part. He has a coach that doesn't want him on the field and you've got to run, you know, we've got, you know, we're going into Madden. We're going to pick the run balance offense. Like that's where we're at, you know, with the Falcons. I mean, Drake London, uh, 41% target share today. I know it didn't come through in the box score. You got 3.7 points, but do not panic on Drake London, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you're not going to have as much as this team wants to be past, you know, a, a run balance team. They're not going to have many games where they can actually, you know, throw drop back to throw the ball so little as what they did today. You know, the, you had the Falcons running 55 plays. 30 of them were rushing plays. I'm um, sorry. 35 of them were rushing plays. Only 20 of them it were worked. dropbacks. To be fair, it worked today. Yeah, it worked barely. So, <laughs> like, it's it's like, yeah. See, that's the problem. Arthur Smith's reinforcing himself with this bad, this stupid freaking process. It was Let's just, just get on to Desmond Ritter if this is what's going to happen with Mariota. And can we just move forward? Like, God. Uh, I don't even know if we get to Ritter. It's just a third round pick, man. I know people are looking. Yeah, I know. But, for man, I mean, I, 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 I would it. take it. I get it. Yes, please. I get it. Well, look, hey, if it's bad, we'll just go back to Mariota. We know what this is. Yeah. All right. So on the Cleveland side of things, you know, one shining star, as always, Nick Chubb. First four games of the year, 140 rushing yards, 87 rushing yards, three touchdowns, 113 yards and a touchdown today, 118 yards and a score. 17 game pace for Nick Chubb, 1,951 rushing yards and 21 touchdowns. He keeps telling all of us fantasy analysts who say that he's not going to catch passes to go straight to hell because the Browns and Jacoby Brissett still maintaining a top 10 scoring offense somehow. And Nick Chubb is just taking taking all the touchdowns to himself at this point. With that said, Dwayne, 54% snaps for Chubb, 50% for Kareem Hunt. Yes, Chubb is continuing to dominate the carry share, but we did still get, you know, 13 combined carries and targets out of Kareem Hunt. Just hasn't been able to find the end zone since week one. So, again, it's one of those things with Nick Chubb where – 
there's no lineup where he's getting benched. Like we can say that we should have been higher on him in the off season. And you know, fine. He has a big badass offensive line. He's making the most out of it. I think you can look at his role a little bit similarly to what we saw with miles Sanders, at least today when we didn't have the third back, you know, cracking into it like Boston Scott usually is. I know Nick Chubb is a million times better than miles Sanders, just pure workload though. What do you make of Kareem Hunt, though, moving forward, Dwayne? Because, again, we all know Nick Chubb's amazing. He's always going to be starting. But is Kareem Hunt still someone that we should be kind of squeezing into that low-end yeah, RB2 man. conversation? Okay, yeah, we're good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think you just call him a high-end RB3. I mean, that's pretty much where I've had him every week. You know, I mean, he's he's always right around that border, right? He's, like, between RB22 and RB, you know, like, 28. Like, somewhere in there. I don't see that changing. He's still out there for 49% of the snaps today, you know, 30% of the rushing attempts. He's doing exactly what we thought 60% of the long down and distance, 89% of the two minute offense, 18% targets per route run. Like he's a guy that's going to be involved in the passing game. He just hasn't had the big passing games yet. Right. And so you've got Amari, you've got David and Joku, but he's really, and, and, and Donovan Peoples Jones, you know, he's had a couple of decent weeks. Like today, Donovan Peoples Jones led the team with a 27% target share, um, came up with 12.1 PPR points. But Kareem Hunt's not killing you. He gave you 10 PPR points today, and he's still going to give you his 25 pointers. Like they're coming. Like you're going to get them. You got, you got a nice one in week one. It just doesn't happen every single week, you know, with Kareem Hunt. And he's still one of the number one um, handcuffs, you know, in the NFL. Because if anything happens with Chubb, which we don't want, knock on wood, um, Kareem Hunt, you know, is going to instantly be, you know, in the top eight probably running backs that we're going to be ranking for the week, maybe yep. top six guaranteed. Like he's still playing really well. I don't see anything in his peripherals as far as, you know, um, if you go look at his explosive rush rate, you know, his uh, missed tackles force per attempt, all those sorts of things are still, you know, they're still good, you know, for Kareem Hunt. It's just, it's it the way the game scripts and everything have worked out. You've been able to keep the the foot on the gas with Nick Chubb, even in short down a distance. 71% of the work went to Nick Chubb today. 43%, I mean, sorry, 71% went to Kareem Hunt. 43% went to Nick Chubb. So Nick Chubb is just a badass. Like he's doing everything he can with his and everything hasn't really broken the same way for Kareem Hunt, but I don't feel any differently about him. Like he's definitely a buy low. If somebody's just like, I can't use Kareem Hunt, nothing has changed about his talent profile and nothing has changed about the way that the Browns are using him. The only difference is the way that these game scripts have worked out early in the season for the Browns and they've been able to keep, you know, Nick Chubb really more involved in the games. Ooh, we got we got Emad in the comments trying to will the Broncos trading for Kareem Hunt. Bro, the amount of teams that if they just traded for Kareem Hunt and how he would instantly oh, be an RB1. And hey, just having that best case scenario, being one injury away, it's the same thing with Travis Etienne where, okay, maybe things aren't working out quite as well as we wanted right now. And I know they're in different situations. I think Hunt could have far more standalone value still than Etienne. He does have yeah. more standalone value. With that said, both guys, man, could instantly be in that top 10 conversation just one injury away. Uh, David Njoku still very much in that low end tight end one conversation. No great game from him here. 73 catches, <laughs> 73 catches, 73 yards on five catches. Amari- participation again today Ooh. for Njoku. Like he, he, he is a low end tight end one, but I think he's really going to be making a push to be considered more of a mid, a mid tier tight end one. Bro, that, like after these three out of four games have looked really solid on the routes. Two games have looked good from a target share. And Jacoby's exceeded expectations, but once Watson yeah, is back too, man, look the hell out. Amari Cooper dudded here. We always know this is possible in a run first offense like this. Still on pace for 127 targets this year. Amari Cooper, 
probably going to be more of a boomer bust wide receiver three. We saw some booms and now we saw a bust. This is usually who Amari Cooper is, Dwayne, you know, as mm-hmm. much as uh, uh, we kind of act like it's a new thing every time. Not quite. So that's going to wrap up this game before we get to the quick afternoon slate. Want to pay a few bills here. Shout out DraftKings. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Right now for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with payouts bigger than ever. Why bet on football anywhere else to make things even sweeter you can throw down on stepped up same game parlays once per game day all season long download DraftKings sportsbook app now and use promo code pff to get two hundred dollars in free bets if your team wins when you place a five dollar bet in any football game that's code pff only at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply see show notes for details also want to give a shout out to our friends at very getting some free not free clothes. They're very expensive clothes, Dwayne. I usually wear pretty cheap clothes. I got this like life is good shirt right now. I appreciate it. Life is good, you know, and I, it's got a little dog there. It's got a hat on. I, I like I like my clothes, man, but I'm not a big fashion guy. Viri, though, is now partnering with us. Very kindly sent me a gift card and I got this, you know, this hoodie windbreaker thing. Julia, my lovely fiance, whose name I usually don't say, but there it is, whatever. And she actually was like, wow, Ian, like, look at you. And not, she always says, like, I look nice, but I know she's just saying that half the time. But, like, with Viri, man, actually, like, if you're a guy like me that never pays attention to fashion, you are one stop away from feeling like a respectable person of society that isn't up till, you know, 1.30 on Sunday nights, breaking down every single fantasy football thing you need to know. So, Viri, V-U-O-R-I dot com slash PFF pod. That's to get you 20% off your first purchase. And you can be like me. Revamp your wardrobe. Respect yourself. Look that man the mirror in the eye and all of a sudden say you know what you look you look pretty good man so 20 percent off on your first purchase and enjoy free shipping on any u.s orders over 75 dollars and free returns again that's beery.com slash pff pod and discover the versatility of beery clothing afternoon slate they gave us three games i hate when they do that but you know what they did it and it's life Dwayne. we're gonna have to move on and just accept it cardinals 26 panthers 16 cardinals covered as one point dogs under 43 and a half usually we start with the winning team but my god baker mayfield one fun bit I've uh, started doing on Twitter, Dwayne, is I found some random because I think Baker got off social media, which, you know, fair play to him. Uh, do your thing. But I found a random Twitter account at Baker, just some random guys like an engineer or some shit. But by adding Baker, I'm not adding Baker Mayfield and I'm not even writing out Baker Mayfield. So I think by adding Baker, I'm actually like finding this great loophole where I can talk a lot of shit about Baker Mayfield and not even have to worry about him, like actually looking up Baker Mayfield and seeing this. Cause at the end of the day, you know, Baker Mayfield is the man. I'm just some stupid fantasy analyst. So with that said, man, this offense, thank God Christian McCaffrey finally got going nine catches, 81 yards in a touchdown, 26 consecutive now non-injured games with 100 plus yards and or a touchdown. But other than that, man, are, are we at the point where we talked about, you know, in Houston and I guess we have Brandon Cooks. Are we at the point like we are in Chicago where it's Christian McCaffrey and that's it, even though DJ Moore still resides in this offense? Yeah, I mean, I have more I have more faith in DJ Moore than I do, you know, in Darnell Mooney. You know, but I would say my confidence in Baker Mayfield is about the same as Justin Fields, you know, <laughs> slightly above. Um, I mean, he's got one game of throwing over 200 yards. Like, I mean, Jesus, yeah. we're four weeks in like and you can't throw for, you know, I mean, like give us 
like give us something like give us a 230 you know so, anything dj Moore, i mean came through with 12.1 fantasy points that's sad when you have to say dj Moore, and then 12.1 and then say came through like that's yeah. what dj Moore coming through for you looks like right now it's 12.1 fantasy points so um i think we talked about him last week being really a we just downgraded him to wide receiver three territory that's where he's been banished that's where i'm looking at him you know and this was a great matchup today like the, the cardinals you know their secondary is giving up a lot of yards. And so for DJ Moore to still only come through with 12.1 fantasy points, like it's better than nothing. Like if you start him as a wide receiver three, but I think that's how you have to think about it. But the, the biggest positive thing is CMC getting him involved in the passing game. So Baker throws, doesn't throw for 200 yards today, but CMC gives him 81. Like CMC gives you 81 alone, you know, and a 2.45 yards per route run today for CMC, 28% target share, see a touchdown? 28% to DJ. Oh yeah. That was a Dude, great catch. He's so fucking good. At I was just like, get up, please get up. Cause he caught that in a contested situation. Yeah. You know, it was a weird fall. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. And what about, what is up with this? Are they just pranking us every week? I, I'm starting to think they are. I think they're just totally pranking fantasy football people. Oh, CMC has got this injury. CMC's hurt. Oh like, God. oh God, everybody. I mean, every week something's popping up. Now, last week it was like he actually missed two practices, practices, then was only limited. But, ah, oh, well, we're not real sure. Like, we're going to be noncommittal. Like, dude, he did not miss a beat. 87% of the snaps, 85% of route participation, 67% of the rushing attempts, all the short down and distance. So when you're really going to pound your guy in, in the middle between the tackles and take the big hits, didn't care. CMC was out there. You know, obviously he gets all the passing network because he's a god. He's CMC. But yeah, I it was good to see CMC getting going. But man, if he doesn't catch that one touchdown at the end, like it's another kind of like, well, utilization looks really great, but CMC's yeah. not scoring a lot of fantasy points. Back to I, you, Ian. I'm not sure what that is. But I don't know what it is either. Man. It's like 1920s reporter guy or something. Well, 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 once we get past the 1 a.m. mark here on the East Coast, things yeah, start getting a little more weird. And normal, I should have called but... you champ. Champ, champ. champ. Come on, champ. <laughs> I, I always get offended when people call me champ, but that's okay. We, you, you can hold that it's one. It's 1920s reporter voice. Like, champ's okay. Final, like, called final point here because, uh, you know, Abel's saying in chat that Baker is playing like all his haters say he's always played like. And I think that's a good way of putting it because, man, if you want to find some clips of me in the summer and make me look bad, like, that's going to be an easy way. I tried to stick up for Baker because I did not think that he was going to be this bad. And we had a four year sample on Baker being really bad when he was hurt last year, but also being objectively really good second half of 2018 second half of 2020 we had seen a ceiling thought we were maybe gonna get something in the middle hey similar sentiment Dwayne helped lead me to Carson Wentz and some of these other guys so hey this is definitely a miss so far I hope Baker can just get back to giving us something man quit bailing the pocket at the first sign of pressure and just not being athletic enough to get away for many of these guys now let's face it he's in an offense that is freaking broke pretty much regardless of who's been under court been under center for the better part of the you know post cam newton era here and even when we did get uh you know the old version of cam newton back there didn't look any better so once again not a situation for baker to thrive in but yeah just uh just a broke offense right now as is honestly the arizona cardinals until they get into the second half and just tell kyle murray to start doing kyle murray things and hey with all due respect like hollywood brown also man what a game out of him Six catches, 88 yards, and a touchdown. Could have had another like 45 yard touchdown, man. CJ had CJ, excuse me, CJ Henderson got toasted and just straight up tackled Hollywood Brown down the field and prevented the uh, you know score from happening. But ended up being a defensive pass interference that put them down around the six yard line. So again, 
big, big day for Marquise Brown. And I know like the first week or two, we were disappointed, but these back-to-back big games, man, Hollywood Brown, and I fully understand DeAndre Hawkins is coming back soon, but Hollywood Brown is on pace for 183 targets, 128 catches, 1,441 yards, eight and a half touchdowns. So, hey, man, we only got a few more weeks with DeAndre Hawkins out, but Hollywood Brown needs to continue to be in all lineups of all shapes and sizes as an upside wide receiver too at worst. The more interesting note, Dwayne, we got our boy back, Rondale Moore. And I will say, even got a little bit of a downfield target opportunity. Unfortunately, he caught it well out of bounds. Kyler didn't give him much of a chance. But what did we see out of this wide receiver group without Hopkins, without A.J. Green, without Antoine Wesley? And now, all of a sudden, Rondale Moore back and healthy for the first time all season. Yeah, the big thing is Rondell Moore overtook uh, Greg Dortch. You know, I know there was some concern that, hey, Dortch had played really well. Would he continue to be you know, really the primary guy out there, 95% route participation today for Rondell Moore, 43% for Greg Dortch. Now, Dortch was in the slot 81% of the time. Rondell was um, only in the slot 39% of plays. So that probably had something to do with A.J. Green, right, not being available as well. But I think this shows you, like, the pecking order is Rondell is the next player up. Um, I know there were some folks that thought that, and there was a chance like Dortch had played solid. Like we didn't know for sure what was going to happen. Like we know the draft capitals there for Rondell Moore. We heard them talk him up a lot. Um, but I think the other big thing is 10.4 a dot. And they, that's the other thing they told us in the off season, right before Rondell got hurt was, Hey, we're really, we're going to unlock the route tree for Rondell. We're not going to chain it. We're not going to tether him basically, you know, to the line of scrimmage, going to, going to let him do a lot more. And we did see that today. It wasn't a situation where, Oh, it was just all gimmicky stuff. He did have one carry. Um, it was for minus four yards. So they, they're, they're moving him around. They're doing some different things with him. And this is a guy that, you know, remember, I mean, he was limited all week, questionable coming into the game. So he's only going to get healthier. I still think this Cardinals offense, Ian, is one that's going to get better as the season goes because, remember, James Conner's really been playing hurt. You already mentioned where that DeAndre Hopkins. I don't really care about AJ, AJ Green. Like, he's not a huge part of your offense, but, like, he's a starter, right, and he's not on the field. Um, and Marquise Brown was playing injured in this game with a foot injury. Now, who knows how bad that was? He picked that up, you know, Friday in practice. He seemed fine. He got stepped on, like, twice in the game that I saw, and he didn't ever leave. So I think Marquise Brown was fine. But Rondell Moore, yeah, looked really good. Zach Ertz, 21% target share again. He came through with 16.7 fantasy points today. Brown had 20.8. So all around, like, you were fine. And Kyler, Kyler got back involved in the rushing game. 28% of the team's rushing attempts today to Kyler Murray. And, you know, you probably got somewhere, depending on your scoring format, you know, somewhere between 23 and 25 points out of Kyler. So this is a step in the right direction, right? Wasn't a huge passing game, right around 200 yards, but the rushing and the rushing touchdown got him through. Finally, man, three points in the first half, and I was just getting frustrated with it. All right, they don't QB sneak Kyler Murray. I get it. He's a very small human. It's he's he's done it once his entire career. When Colt McCoy and that Strevler CFL dude have played, like they've done it five or six times. So it's clearly a choice that uh, a Cardinals beat writer tipped me off on this offseason. I looked it up and got those numbers. Do the tight end thing. The Chiefs did it tonight. The Dolphins have been doing it. Plenty of teams are doing this now where you just have the tight end motion across, get the snap under center, and go forward. Don't give Rondale Moore a fly sweep on fourth and one. Don't be, you know, snapping shotgun on fourth and one because you're terrified of doing a quarterback sneak. Just my two cents on the matter. And I think that's pretty good for that game. So Raiders took down the Broncos 32-23, to 23, covering as a two-and-a-half-point favorite over 46. Moment of silence, everyone, for Javante Williams. 
It sucks. Knee, carted off on crutches after the game. Feared to have a serious injury per rap sheet. Quote, unquote, not a lot of optimism. Unfortunately, everything about this is unfortunate, Dwayne. We hope Javante is absolutely fine. This is just nothing. If we have to look into a future without Javante Williams in it, a couple of weeks ago, I would have said Melvin Gordon's going to be a three-down workhorse. Now I'm th- wondering if it's going to be more of a 50-50 split with Melvin Gordon and Mike freaking Boone. Not that Mike Boone is bad at football. Everyone in the NFL is fantastic at football, and I've seen more than enough Mike Boone preseason highlight films. I have a ton of respect for that dude. And this is a situation where Gordon went out there. He fumbled. It got returned to the house. He dropped the pass. Mike Boone dropped several passes. And, oh, by the way, this Broncos offense finally scored over 20 points, and they can only work their way to 23 in a matchup that you would have liked to see them really get back into this side of things. So overall thoughts on just – this backfield situation, Dwayne, that again, so much optimism this time last month. And unfortunately now could be without Javante. Yeah, man. Hoping that, you know, that it's not the worst case with Javante, but to your point, I think right now you kind of got a plan, you know, that that's what it's going to be. Um, Melvin Gordon just, you know, fumbled his way out of the game. So I don't know that they're going to hold that against him long-term, but Mike Boone had already been working his way into this backfield over the last two weeks ahead of this. Yeah. So I wouldn't, I would not make the assumption that he's just going to go away. I would still make the assumption that Melvin Gordon's going to lead this team. I think this honestly, come on, like hack it. Like if this ends up being a 50, 50, I'm, I don't know, man. Like, why did you even sign Melvin Gordon then? Like, I guess in case this happened, but like, if you're going to spend that much money on Melvin Gordon, you know, I mean, like you could have just found another nobody off the street, you know, and use that money elsewhere. But I would expect Melvin Gordon to lead it. But Mike Boone is obviously going to be engaged. And I think we could see Melvin really be the early down grinder. And you're going to see Mike Boone potentially take all the passing down work because he did today. 58% of the long down and distance, 67% of the two minute offense. If you really look at it from the time Javante Williams left, he took all of it. He took all of the passing down work. Now he pretty much took everything because Melvin Gordon essentially just sat on the bench after the fumble. So I think it's still Melvin Gordon in the lead, but Mike Boone is definitely going to be involved. I think the question is, you know, Ian, I, I want your thoughts. Like how much fab are you willing to put on Mike Boone? Obviously it's got to be a deeper league if you're playing in a shallow league, but man, there's so many injuries. I think it's going to hype his, it's going to hype his price tag up because everything we're dealing with, number one, the Javante Williams, you know, manager is going to be coming after Mike Boone. Then you have the Jonathan Taylor, you know, manager is going to be looking at Mike Boone. You know, we've had all these other injuries that have already occurred at the running back position, you know, so uh, I don't know. Like, I I feel like people are probably going to get over enthusiastic past what I'm going to want to do on Mike Boone. My first thought's like 15%. And it's yeah. got to be in the right lineup. Like this is not the walk in and you're going to be my RB two. Like that, th- those are the guys we want to spend a bunch of fat exactly. money on. And I understand there's not a ton of them out there, but that doesn't mean to just jump on Mike Boone because he's this week's Rex Burkhead or whoever else it's going to be. Uh, you know, with all due respect to Rex Burkhead, of course, you know, catching strays out here as we get to the hour 45 <laughs> minute mark. But uh, Sorry, nah, yeah. So, and like, where's Melvin Gordon? Like would, next week, would you take Melvin Gordon or Naeem Hines straight up full PPR? Uh, just for next week, I'm probably just going to, I'm starting Naheem Hines. Yeah, me too. It's just clean. It's cleaner because, you know, yeah, Deion Jackson or one of these other guys could come in and like surprise us, Philip Lindsay. Um, but like those guys have been non-existence. Mike Boone, we've already seen being engaged in the game plan. So like, we know he's going to have a role. Like there's over in Indy, like, I just feel like there's a wider range, honestly, on the upside, right. For what we could see. 
um, with what happens with Heinz. Now, after we get that data point, we could change our mind and feel similarly about them. Um, but it's weird because had you told me, hey, in week four, you're going to see Javante Williams get hurt. You're going to see um, you're going to see uh, Jonathan Taylor get hurt. Who would you rather have Melvin Gordon, Raheem Hines? I would have said Melvin Gordon. I thought Melvin Gordon was t- top tier 1A of ha- handcuffs. And unfortunately, Mike Boone is making this far more of a battle than it should be. I, Nathaniel I, Hackett ruins everything. That's my I, conclusion. I, I think he's going to ruin this one uh, too, Dwayne. The one positive for this Broncos team was the fact that Russ in the passing game did look awfully good out there. They only had, you know, I mean, 48 total plays in this game, which was surprising given how long they were trailing. But Russ did throw for two touchdowns again, had a lot of drops out there. I mean, Mike Boone on the last drive alone probably dropped a good 40 <laughs> Yards uh, worth for him, so that wasn't great to see. Uh, but Cortland Sutton, five catches, fifty-two yards, and a touchdown. Jerry Judy, four catches, fifty-three yards, and a touchdown. I still, I mean, it, it's pretty obvious that Sutton remains, you know, the clear one A and Judy the one B. But seeing Judy get back healthy now, going on out there and doing his thing, I do think that even if Sutton's going to be more so a wide receiver one, Judy maybe more of an upside wide receiver three. Still, guys that you're going to want in the lineups far more weeks than not. Even KJ Hamler got in on the party a little bit, caught a fifty-five yard pass, almost scored uh set up a short russell wilson rushing touchdown so let's talk about the raiders Dwayne, because josh jacobs man just gonna pat myself on the back here kind of mentioned he was a pretty good buy low candidate on this very podcast last week also messed up plenty of times but we're just you know hyping up this one small thing so give me a break anyway 144 yards two tutties on the ground also even caught five passes for 31 yards. Obviously, it's the Raiders. It's Josh, Josh McDaniels. We can't expect Josh Jacobs to get a full-time role. Oh, wait, Dwayne. Maybe we can. 89% snaps, 28 carries, and six targets. For some reason, Brandon Bolden, Zamir White, and Amir Abdullah all got snapped. So it was technically a four-back committee. But, bro, I didn't even know this was possible. I was, I mean, I, I thought I was going to look up at this and say 60%. I'm genuinely surprised right now. 89%. I'm not, I don't know if it's going to stick every single week. This was ideal, positive game script. But even before this week, man, it's been a two two running back committee instead of a three or four running back committee. And even if Jacobs isn't out there for the pass down work, we know he can handle it. So in a situation like this, man, if we get one more week of that usage, it's just, this is an upside RB1. Uh, yeah, so you have to upgrade Josh Jacobs this week. Um, 100% of the two-minute offense. And it wasn't like they barely used it. They used it on nine snaps. That's pretty decent amount. Uh, 40% of the long down and distance. That's where Brandon Bolden got involved. And then Zamir White was out there. <laughs> Zamir White, for some reason, took 25% of the short down and distance because you got to get the smallest guy on the field out there. To, you it know, was really just, it was, something. it was just one. Um, They like faked a dive and then pitched it out to him. It was like one design oh, okay. play with it. So it was fair. Yeah. So anyway, like, it, it, you know, he had one out of four of those opportunities. So, but pretty much Josh Jacobs was in every down back, uh, except for a little bit of the long down and distance work, went to Brandon Bolden. Look, you're, you typically don't have a back unless you're like Saquon, CMC, very rare that checks all of these boxes across the board. So Brandon Jacobs checking everything. Or sorry, Josh Jacobs, Brandon Jacobs. Who? there's a flash from the past. Ooh, I love Brandon Jacobs. I have Brandon Bolden and Josh Jacobs. Ran Brandon everyone. Jacobs. Yes. He was like the Derrick Henry before the Derrick Henry. But 40% long down a distance, not that huge of a deal. If you're getting the two-minute offense, that's the vor- that's the more valuable snap that we really want to see. 20% target share, 21% targets per route run. This is a big upgrade for Josh Jacobs. Um, you know, I don't know that this would stick, you know, Ian, if it was Zamir White um getting the bat the, you know, if something happened to Josh Jacobs, but I think it opens the upside for Zamir White. Like if they really are more willing to give one guy the ball. 
Um, at least we know it's in their range of outcomes. So that makes Zamir White, in my opinion, a more valuable handcuff because I do think if Josh Jacobs goes down, Zamir White's the one that's going to gain the most. We don't know he's going to have this kind of role. But first off, Josh Jacobs definitely gets an upgrade. Um, you know, he's he's moves out of RB3 territory. He's definitely in RB2. Like, depends on how aggressive we want to be. Like, if you were just looking at the data that we saw today, he's an RB1. Like, this makes him this would make him a mid-range RB1, you know? Um, so I at least think that for right now, you got to think of him more as like a mid-range RB2, high-end RB1. I mean, sorry, high-end RB2. Because um, he's been dominating the rushing attempts no matter what. But now picking up the passing down role, and he kind of, he's been gradually pushing it up. I'm going to think about this more. Like, he probably deserves to be treated the same way we talked about Rashad Penny. Yeah, at a minimum. And I, I have more confidence in the Raiders offense moving forward than the Seattle offense. Although, you know, we have not necessarily a little less that. competition like Zamir White. Yeah, they spent a draft pick, but a fourth rounder, not yeah. a high second rounder, like to your point. Um, so I think that's fair. Like maybe Josh Jacobs is, should actually be ranked ahead of Rashad Penny rest of season. I'm going to have to think through that one. Jacob PFF's third highest grade rusher this year behind only Christian McCaffrey and Nick Chubb. Uh, Devontae Adams got back on track, nine catches, 101 yards in this one. Darren Waller, another bad day at the office, unfortunately. He did have a catch, you know, down the one-yard line, got very close. On the next play, uh, Josh Jacobs got ripped down on his face mask, and no one seemed to notice, so he got stuffed on the one-yard line as well. Only other sheets in this one on the Raiders' side was Carr throwing a touchdown to Mac Hollins, who was out of bounds, and then the ref, like, Mac Hollins was, like, pissed at himself, and the ref puts up a touchdown and Mac Collins looked at him like are you freaking kidding me man uh and so yeah they like convened they didn't even review it they just said yeah no it wasn't a touchdown because the guy that caught the touchdown didn't even think it was my goodness final note shout out to a uh, play-by-play Kevin Harlan quick as a hiccup slippery as an eel I heard that as quick as a hiccup so I awesome, heard it too man. I did too I know I was like man yeah. just just a great day to be great and uh Kevin Harlan showed that today and I appreciate 43 percent target share Devonte Adams <laughs> back <laughs> Back. 13 targets. <laughs> All right, guys, two more to get through here. Packers took down the Patriots 27 to 24. Packers 35 rush attempts, 35 pass attempts. This was an even game. Aaron Jones, you know, just really running through one big hole after another. And he continues to just have overall fantastic performances out here. You can say that he's not getting the best usage, but you know what? Aaron Jones has never gotten the best usage. He's an efficient freaking mini monster. And he's in an offense with Aaron Rodgers. It continues to work out on the season. 6.8 yards per carry second behind only DeAndre Swift. He's third in yards after contact per attempt. Fourth in missed tackles forced. Aaron Jones absolutely balling to start this year. Of course, though, you guys know Aaron Jones is great. And you know AJ Dillon is still going to be out there getting 15-plus touches during more weeks than not. Couldn't find the end zone today, but we love this backfield. What's been interesting to see, Dwayne, is kind of the development of this wide receiver room. Romeo Dobbs got another touchdown. Should have had to. Should have ended this game in the fourth quarter. A pearl from Rodgers down the sideline, 40-yarder. Could not reel it in, hold on through the ground. Also lost a fumble earlier in the game. Did not seem to put him in the doghouse. They came right back to him in overtime. Had a couple big catches down the stretch. So that was good to see. And when it's all said and done, man, he did tie Alan Lazard with a team-high eight targets. Lazard, to his credit, made the most out of those. Six catches, 116 yards. But at a minimum, man, we're really starting to see Lazard and Dobbs separate themselves in terms of the production. What did the behind-the-scenes routes look like? There we go again with uh, our dream. <laughs> no, man, that, that's the big takeaway. It's, it's starting to isolate down to these two. Um, you had a 97% route participation for Alan Lazard. 26% target share. Bravo. Bravo. Alan saying, Dwayne, you better shut your mouth. 
25% or sorry, 95% route participation to Romeo. Let's call him dubs. Cause we're going to throw up the dubs on Romeo 26% target share for him as well. Um, so these, these guys, and they were both really close in air yards, 38% to Lazard, 32% to Dobbs. Um, look, man, it looks great for both of these guys. Like it's isolating down to them. Um, especially for a guy that you got super late, like like Romeo Dowd. So I, I'm excited about them. Was kind of hoping, you know, Robert Ton- Tunyon. Sorry, Ian, I got it. Tunyon. Robert and you also Tunyon just, was, you, you said we got to call him Dubs and then proceeded to call him Dobbs, like back to back. No, just no, saying. I know. I'm just calling him <laughs> Dubs because we want to throw up the Dubs. But I think it actually, now that I've heard it on TV, I hear people <laughs> call him Dobbs. So anyway, uh, yeah. So looking at, Tunyon, like I was kind of hoping we would see a continued trend, but it just kind of stalled out on us. Like it, his route participation had slowly increased, increased. You kind of can tell yourself the narrative of, okay, getting healthy, getting healthy, but also in the other back ends, you know, part of your brain, you're like, no, nope, this is the same offense that also, you know, is killing Albert O. Um, there's another offense I forgot, like we haven't even mentioned it. Oh, oh, it's the Jets, <laughs> but like Conklin's overcome it. Conklin's broken free. That's good. No one else can. No we one else one. can break three. We got one. Yeah. Robert Tunyon stalled out at 58% of the route. So, yeah, it's it's all about Lazard and fine, Ian, every time now, dubs, because dubs for the W. <laughs> On the Patriots side of the ball, Brian Horry got concussed after just six pass attempts, leading the way for Bailey Zapp. Zappy, do we have a... Mm-hmm. Read on that. Yep, Zappy. Zappy. Okay. Fantastic. I remember talking about him briefly, Dwayne, before the draft and he had insane production. Actually, someone even brought up in our lovely chat, 5,967 passing yards and 62 touchdowns last year. Could have made those up, but I'm going to go ahead and trust him. He and- almost got to that today. Yes, yeah, he did throw. He did throw a nice uh, <laughs> touchdown to uh, Devontae Parker. You know, pretty much on guard. I don't know, man. You bring in the rookie third string quarterback in Lambo, and he just doesn't completely shit the bed. And I think that you know, oh, I'm good. with you, man. I'm messing around. Oh yeah, I know. But uh, you know, solid game enough under the circumstances. But come on, without Mac Jones, it's still a complete stay away in this passing game. Unfortunately, in the running game, it's also not a situation that we can completely get behind until Mac Jones is back. Even once Mac Jones is back, man, this is still an offense struggling to put up points more weeks than not, except when they were facing that banged up Ravens secondary. So at a minimum, you know, we do have an offense that has a backfield down to two. Hopefully they can get that scoring upside. But another good week for Ramondre Stevenson, even though Damon Harris was the one that got the goal line touchdown. Yeah, Ramondre, the big thing, um, the route participation remained strong. Wasn't, you know, at the 60% level like last week, but still led the way with 52%. He's clearly the guy they want out there on passing downs. 100% of the long down and distance work today went to Ramondre Stevenson. 25% target share today uh, for Ramondre. So that was number one on the Patriots uh, by 5%. The next best was Hunter Henry, who had 20%, and then Nelson Aguilar had 20%. You know, they switch this stuff around every week, but Ramondre has been looking good from a passing down perspective two weeks in a row. 42% of the rushing attempts this week. So last week, we kind of saw him take a step ahead of Harris in that department. It was Harris getting more of the early down work at 55%. And then from a short down and distance standpoint, though, that 100% of that went to Ramondre too. So he's getting all the high leverage stuff. He's getting the short down and distance, getting the long down and distance, they're utilizing him more in the passing game i think Ramondre, you can safely call him an rb2 um at this point and feel pretty good about having him in your fantasy lineup i know it wasn't great today 12.9 fan, um, ppr points a, a little less you know useful in a standard league for Ramondre. you know he's going to be a little more iffy 
but I think in your PPR formats, half PPR formats, I think you're fine with him as an RB2. And he's going to have weeks where he's going to score the touchdowns because he's still getting, you know, some of that short down and distance work. He's not going to, you know, probably get all of it every single week. But I think there are positives all the way around with Ramondre. Also graded out really good in every area today. 79.9 PFF receiving grade, 79.9 PFF rush grade, 67.5 PFF pass blocking grade. So those are all positive things for Ramondre. On Sunday Night Football, fun game on this one. Chiefs 41, Buccaneers 31. Chiefs covered as two-point dogs. Over easily hit at 47. Uh, yeah, you know, I heard earlier this week, we didn't know if the game was going to be played in Tampa Bay. I found out immediately it was going to be in Tampa Bay, Dwayne, so I just ran to my sports book and I, you know, Bet on the under. I thought that'd be a smart thing to do. I didn't look at the forecast or anything. And uh, yeah, didn't even have to wait until after halftime to find out how uh, that one went. So maybe I should put a little more thought into the, you know, taking an under on a game consisting of Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. But we'll watch the film and get better as always. Just a magnificent performance from Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Collinsworth was talking about the touchdown pass he had to Clyde where he just extended the play like he's done a million times. And Collinsworth, you know, basically said it was like watching a dad like play with his kids and just know that you're not even going to be able to get touched that really is how effortless this offense looks at times and they were on you know they're just cloud nine tonight travis kelsey nine catches 92 yards and a touchdown on 10 targets and clyde edwards Hilaire keeps on keeping on 92 rushing yards touchdown also caught that you know two yard touchdown reception never mind that isaiah pacheco also had 11 carries and jerick mckinnon should have been taking some of those goal line touchdowns man they gave mckinnon a carry from the one he got stuffed they gave him that underhand toss that only mahomes does his knee was down at the one hell we got Noah Gray getting a QB sneak touchdown out there instead of Jarek McKinnon at one point so really in this matchup when we look at the overall snaps which we can always find from PFF's finest Nathan Yonke over on pff.com at the end of the game it at least separated more for Clyde this time Dwayne it was 45 snaps for Clyde 18 for McKinnon 17 for Pacheco Clyde also led the way in routes of 22 10 for McKinnon and 5 for Pacheco so it's still a three-back committee at least Clyde's freaking leading it now man so where do you fall on CEH and this is a situation where we're still running to try to sell high because the man does keep scoring touchdowns I don't think he looks particularly incredible out there like I don't think there are plays that McKinnon or Pacheco couldn't make and to Pacheco's credit man like he was flashing out there and I'm not sure you know if he's a personal friend of Chris Collinsworth or not but he was getting some love out there on the broadcast but overall thoughts on if this game's uh you know kind of uses changes anything about your thoughts on Clyde being a so high candidate uh well the roles didn't change um the game script changed so the Chiefs stayed ahead and their uh down and distance work so if you look at long down and distance when they did need it which wasn't that often tonight because the offense was rolling Jarek McKinnon had eight of those snaps, one to Pacheco, one to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So pulling this up kind of right here on the fly, then looking, I don't even know if they needed the two-minute offense tonight, to be honest. Uh, they did run the two-minute offense. Jarek McKinnon got that. So we're really in the same situation. Like he was really the guy that we think is going to get probably 50% of the early down work. The rest of the run rushing attempts will be split with McKinnon and Pacheco passing down work still going to McKinnon. Um, and now Pacheco's just more involved. I, and maybe that will just come at the expense of McKinnon, right? And not, you know, Clyde Edwards Alaire. But you still have three three players clearly involved. And I think it's just gonna, you know, this is the best game script we've seen all season for Clyde Edwards Alaire. They jumped out, they stayed out front. Um, and, and he did some nice things. Like I feel bad for him because he always gets caught from behind and it leads to these awkward tackles, you know, where he's got like linemen just reaching up and grabbing him and yanking him on the ground. Like linemen chase Clyde Edwards Alaire down. Like he's dude has great vision. Um, you know, has has some nice elusiveness, just doesn't have like the speed to like pull away 
He's like Devin. That. He's like Devin Singletary to an extent. Yeah, exactly. He's very much like Devin Singletary. So I think, look, he plays in a great offense. You're getting the touchdowns. Can I say they're going to continue? No, I can't because he's not getting all the short down and distance work either. He's not getting all the work inside the five. He's sharing all of that still. Um, so I don't, I don't think anything really changed in this game. You know, I'll have to dig into it a little bit more tomorrow, but like my first glance at it is that he actually stayed in the exact same role. The game situations worked out, you know, pretty good for Clyde Edwards there tonight. And I wouldn't say he like completely, this wasn't the most impressive two touchdown performance you ever saw. Like he dropped an easy wheel that we didn't have the all 22. It sure didn't look like yeah, there was he might've been gone on that. Like maybe. That's- Maybe yeah, we got it was at least gonna be a chunk play, so I'm not exactly sure he's stealing that role from McKinnon anytime soon. These wide receivers, again, Patrick Mahomes basically warned us before the season that this was gonna happen, just not really getting too much consistent production out of anyone involved. Continues to be MBS and Juju at the top, just unfortunately, not all that much still waiting there with Travis Kelsey and Claude Ebersolaire being the primary touchdown scores. Finally, let's talk about Tampa Bay Buccaneers here. All the wide receivers came back, which was great. We did lose Cam Braid to a concussion uh, in the game, which was unfortunate, and he did drop a short goal line touchdown before that happened. So, Dwayne, let's talk about the wide receivers first. What was it out there? Because Chris Goblin also got banged up for a little bit. He did return. It, was, it seemed like it was a stinger situation. Yeah, he didn't miss many. So uh, Evans was out there for 53 of the routes. Godwin was out there for 49. This is actually uh, including penalties. 11 targets to Mike Evans, 10 to Chris Godwin, both, you know, let me just turn the penalties off because people are going to hear this and be like, he didn't have that many. So, uh, yeah, so eight receptions to Godwin or seven receptions to Godwin, eight to Mike Evans. Um, So, yeah, it was pretty it was pretty split up. The the bigger news here is really Russell Gage and Julio Jones. They're really sharing that third role. So and that's kind of what we feared, you know, 33 uh, routes for Russell Gage and then 17 for Julio. That's going to make both of them really tough to use. Gage, after really coming on with a big performance last week, we thought, okay, let's see what we get. Uh, He only had four targets, two receptions. Julio had two targets and one reception for seven yards. So Gage and Julio are going to get a downgrade this week. You can feel pretty good about Evans and Godwin. Like, man, Godwin coming out. Like, I know it was only seven catches for 59 yards, but getting nine targets um, and playing this many routes after the hamstring, after coming back from a late, you know, season uh you know knee injury like it's really impressive what we're seeing from chris godwin dude the injury looked bad like it seemed like he kind of just dove wrong and i just hey awesome man i'm happy he's back i'm happy that chris godwin now seemingly healthy knocking on wood week five and beyond wasn't that long ago man where we were like oh like he'll probably start ramping up in october here we are and he seems to be back to being the guy now we had 52 pass attempts from Tom Brady because the Buccaneers said we're not going to worry about trying to run that football. They did fall behind quick, and I think it was probably you know their best this kind of path to victory here because they weren't getting anything going. And because of that, Dwayne, we saw a lot of Rashad White out there when you look at the total snaps. And again, going into this game, it was like Saquon Barkley, number one, best utilization of any running back. And you could argue Leonard Fournette was number two because he just wasn't leaving the field. So on this one, Leonard Fournette, 39 snaps, 28 routes, Rashad White, 24 snaps and 18 routes. And what's interesting, man, like when you saw it out there, this wasn't like Fournette leaving the field for certain situations. They really just gave White a couple of these drives, and he looked good out there. I mean, he fumbled the opening kickoff, which obviously not a very good start to the game. But for him to come out here and have this type of usage and look pretty damn good doing it, man, already should have been on every single bench and every single league type regardless. But I do wonder if uh, this could be a situation now where Fournette maybe turns into more of a 60, 70% 
honestly what it is right now. Like more selective James Conner role than the Saquon Barkley role. Like he's been like, like he's been holding on to. Yeah, he still took um, eighty percent of the two minute offense for net, seventy five percent of the long down and distance. So I mean, like like he was still out there for you know a lot of the high leverage stuff. Um, the short down and distance they split a little bit more. Um, you know, than that, like I'm, I'm, I'm doing it on the fly here with ultimate, but I, I love short- saying though, I like just from watching the first half, I think yeah. that, that might all just been because of the random drives that they were out there. They seem to be going like, you know, two for net one, uh, runner. Yeah. Seven. But two minute, they usually know when they're going to run it. They know when they're going to run that like long down a distance that can just happen on your drive short down a distance that can just happen on your drive. Two minute offense usually plan. They know they're going to go to it like, and they're going to have the guy out there that they want. So Fournette did still keep all of that, but yeah, the other stuff could all just be random, you know, based on, you know, the drives that they had. So, uh, short down a distance was 75% for net 25%, you know, white. but like the big takeaway is like, you've got to have Rashad white. If he is setting on a waiver wire, like he really should not be, um, he should really be rostered. Like we've already, and we've seen this role gradually ticking up. Um, and let's be honest, like watching him out there as a receiver, like just, you know, and Fournette's been a, a solid receiver, like better than what most people think, but man, like white looks really fluid. Um, so I think it's something where we could see him continue to carve out a little bit away from Fournette. And honestly, I don't know that that's bad for Lenny. We, we want Lenny getting all the work. Like if you've got him on your roster, but man, like it's a lot on these guys to have that kind of role, you know, through a whole season where you're really not getting to rest any at all. You're having to take on, you know, pass blitzers, you know, you're having to catch, you're catching a lot of balls. You're carrying the balls. Dude, the way Fournette plays, like the the signature play of this guy's career was him sending that old miss, like safety to the freaking shadow (laughs) realm. dude. Like this dude puts his head down and runs you the hell over. Yeah. So, I think Fournette's still going to be fine. I would expect a little bit of his role to go away. I think good call on you. Maybe he ends up like 65, 70%, you know, of the snaps instead of being an 85, 90%er, you know, um, which is fine. Again, it's fine. But the big takeaway is like pounce on Rashad White if you can. That's going to wrap up this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. 150 a.m. Eastern for your boy, Ian. That's all good. Got a bottle of wine with my name on it. I'm going to have a hell of a night here in lovely Cincinnati, Ohio. Dwayne, what do you got on tap over at MV Fantasy Fantasy Life, you know, throughout the week? Because you're going to be back here next Sunday night, Dwayne. But you, you keep you keep busy, man. I see you doing a few things over there. Yeah, man, we got a lot going on. So obviously the utilization report is the big thing. Be writing that tomorrow. That will hit on Tuesday. Then I've got my rankings and tiers, which come out, you know, my, my ranks go up on Wednesday this week, and then I'll either have the article out that night or it'll be out the first thing the next morning. And then we're also doing two pods a week. So that's me and Marcus Graham from NFL network. So you guys can check that out over at fantasy life as well. Um, and then, yeah, towards the end of the week, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm writing the newsletter twice a week as well. Ooh. So man, all sorts of stuff, like a lot of fun stuff going on. As always, PFF.com. All my positional previews. I'm making them better, folks. I felt like things were going around. A lot of good information. I'm going to make it more clear. Great day to be great there. You'll see what I'm talking about soon. Shisha Port will be up Monday night. And yeah, great day to be great as always. So appreciate you guys always tuning in to the pod. Hope you had a good week four. And with that, we're on to week five. So for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks so much for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.